Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. everyone and welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN in St. Louis at 7 o'clock. Your time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler with Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. It is great to have you with us. Kids, happy Friday Eve. How you doing? Oh, good. See, yeah. everybody's fired up. Very everybody's nice. ready to rock and We're roll. We're very yeah. fired up. Good. Yeah, we got blues for hockey tonight. Finally, right. I'm not let break in last between. Time they played. Three it felt weeks like ago? Yeah, it seems like ago. it. Yeah, the yeah. Arizona Coyotes in town, as we talked about with Robert Thomas yesterday. Uh, to use uh, an old uh, Steve, our buddy Steve Savard line, mm-hmm. uh, the the Coyotes always seem to be a snootful for the for the Blues. <laughs> a snootful. I love that. <laughs> we have the action for you tonight at seven. The pregame at six with Alex Ferrario and the great Joe Vitale. Not that Alex Ferrario isn't great. Should that show, the pregame show, not be named something that has to do with Italians? Oh, yes. Uh, probably. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, wait. We're, we're good at this. We're yeah. good at nicknames. Uh, we got to start doesn't, nicknames. Rock doesn't let's, like this. Let's, let, let's workshop <laughs> this, kids. Uh, the text line is open. The Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646. Yo-ho! Okay, so we got... By the way, Rock should be producing that show at the very least because hey. it's a bunch of guys with vowels at the end of their name. Uh, <laughs> the three meatballs. The th- hey, 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 okay. hey, No, no, this is immediately off to a yeah. bad start. Yep. Uh, just call Italian great. people meatballs. Balls. This is oh, ridiculous. The Italian stallions. <laughs> yep. Thank you, Carrie. Oh, Thank you. We're back on track. Michelle right, did one with Stalter one time, and it had to do with toasted ravs. <laughs> but we need something with the Ferrario Vitali, and let's just, in, for fun, uh, for, for the sake of fun, let's include Matthew Rocchio in the mix here uh, as something Italian. Do you get offended when I say say Italian? By the way, oh no, that doesn't bother me. Okay, good. <laughs> okay, good. Because <laughs> I'm gonna if if you would have said yes, you know it's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. Play the game, play the game, Randy. Whether he did or not, Rocky was like, yeah, I just need to stay away from that because <laughs> yeah. then it will continue. Yeah, here's what we got coming up on the there. show at the bottom of this hour. The great Greg Amzinger will join us, and Greg is going to give us his opinion on the Cardinals' mutual interest in having a new coach on their staff by the name of Yadier. Molina. Sounds familiar. He does. This is pretty yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. yeah a pl- I remember that guy. wonder what number they would give him. Hmm. Hmm. Intriguing. You know, I played golf with Tony Womack last week in the Brian Jordan tournament. Tony Womack, the second to last man ever to wear number four for the St. Louis Cardinals. Hmm. Uh, second base in 2004. Yachty, when he came up, wore number 41. Okay. little trivia for you. Mm. I hope that's not on the fight today. Uh, <laughs> Rocky furiously just like yep. Xing it out was. like, great. <laughs> uh, Hall of Famer Bernie Federko coming up at 8.15, and then Jeremy Rutherford talking some blues at 9.15. Baseball, <laughs> last night the Astros put a dent in their deficit against Texas in the ALCS, winning by a score of 8-5. to five. The game was 5-2 in favor of the Astros in the seventh inning when the Incredible hitting Jordan Alvarez stepped to the plate with a couple of runners aboard. On 2-2, here it comes. Line drive, center field, base hit Alvarez. Two runs coming to score. And with two strikes in the seventh, Alvarez comes through. 
And that stood up as the winner. Texas rallied a little bit. They got a couple of runs in the seventh, one in the eighth. But 8-5 was the final as Houston won it. Max Scherzer, not a great start. He went four innings. He allowed five runs, all earned. Struck out four and walked one. On the other side, I want uh, Christian Javier on my side. Now, is he a 100-mile-an-hour thrower? No. Is he a guy that's going to strike out the world? No, but he gives you five and two-thirds. He allows a couple of runs on three hits. He strikes out three and walks one. And he's a guy that just gets people out. And we've talked before about how Houston does such a great job of scouting Latin America. That might be the best job, where they got a guy that throw, was throwing in the 80s. They moved him from a position player <laughs> to a pitcher, and Christian Javier now 2-0 and in this postseason. He's also one of those ones that they went back, that they signed at an at an older, older age. age yep. As opposed mm-hmm. when they realized, yeah, these guys are, still are, are learning and growing. Mm-hmm. They, they're not done at 16. They can still be, uh, you know, project to be pretty good in the major leagues. And so, watching him perform, watching that Team. I, yeah, as much as people do, do, do fans still hate the Astros in the manner in which they did a few years ago? Yes, they do. Yeah, because but you have I to respect like them these now. guys. Yeah, I, I mean, I like these guys. I like Jordan Alvarez. I like uh, what they're doing at the play. I mean, you gotta love Dusty Baker, love. right? You have to. I think the the shift has has ha- has happened where you know years ago, a few years ago, everyone was banging on tables. They were cheaters. Everyone knew mm-hmm. it, and now. They're just really good at baseball. And most of the cheaters are gone. Most of them are gone. Except most for the guy that had the yeah, buzzer on his. He, he wouldn't let anybody rip his shirt off. <laughs> yeah. but, but he hits, he hits a lot of home runs for a wee lad. Oh, he does, yeah. It's like for a wee lad. For a wee lad. <laughs> I think. Did you guys see the postgame interview? He is He's taller second. than Ken Rosenthal. Oh, is he? Yeah, he's got I like I thought an they inch. were like close-ish to I the think, same height. I think Altuve had like an inch on him. He's wow. second in postseason home runs now. It's a, he's... I, yeah, pretty amazing. For a little fella. Yeah, no for, a wee wee lad. Lad. for a wee lad. For a yeah. wee little lad. Yeah, you mentioned it there. It's just seeing Jordan Alvarez is spectacular in just about every single situation. Did you see Tavares, though, rob him of that home run? Oh, that was nice. the play that of the postseason. That was insane. Yeah. I did, I My brain was hurting trying to figure out how Tavares pulled that off. Mm-hmm. But, of course, Jordan Alvarez is Jordan Alvarez. And either way, he was able to get through in the end there in that entire game. But... It's interesting because the Astros this season and this postseason play really well on the road, specifically to in Arlington. Did you guys see that stat? They're seven and one in Arlington, yeah. including the postseason. And I don't know what that is, but it's working out for them. If anything, you could tell that they felt really comfortable there in Arlington. Yeah, the Houston, the small group of Houston fans at Globe Life Field will be chanting probably tonight, "Who's your daddy?" <laughs> Uh, they, they play again tonight, by the way. This afternoon at 4.07, Phils and Diamondbacks play game three of their series at Chase Field. The over-under for that one is nine. Rangel Suarez, Rangel Suarez, against uh, Brandon Fott. Uh, that game at 4.07, St. Louis time. And then tonight at 7.03, Astros and Rangers game four. Urquidy, another one of those guys that they got out of Latin America at a mm-hmm. more advanced stage. He takes on uh, Andrew Heaney, whom the Cardinals had interest in at one point in his and their existence. And let's see, the, t- the National League game on TBS, the American League game is on FS1. As we mentioned, Blues tonight taking on the Arizona Coyotes. And one thing that Kerry Davis has wondered about is, is the Blues concentration on the defense this year affecting their offensive output? Craig Bruby joining the fast lane yesterday and asked that very question. No, that's that's not the case at all. Uh, we've had plenty of ozone time and uh, chances. I think that uh, 
you know, right now we're not um, hitting on all cylinders with uh, the puck right now from an offensive standpoint, um, whether it's the shooting part of it, missing the net on some nice grade A's and things like that. It's just some execution things. So that's something that we're working on and trying to improve on. And and also, the power play is a big part of offense. You um, you wouldn't know that, but, I mean, uh, I played a little power play. You never played the power play. <laughs> a, a skilled guy. When, when you get the power play touches and power play starts to click, your offensive guys gain a lot more confidence. So that's something that we've got to get straightened out to. Obviously, talking to Jamie Rivers about how Jamie wouldn't know about the power play. So the the obvious retort for Jamie Rivers is, hey, Chief, did you ever score a power play goal? And this is what Craig Bruby had to say. Look at the stats. I got a few power play goals. No way. Were they beauties or were they off your butt? Probably off my shin pad. (laughs) Hey, it still counts, Coach. I love it. Oh, my gosh. Ruby is so funny. Why is he so funny? And the way that he delivers his jokes, too, you're not expecting it Mm. because it's the same cadence that he's talking when he's just talking (laughs) to you. And so then he just delivers it quickly where you don't even see it coming. He's awesome. He's Kind of like the power play goals that he scored back in his career. You know, it was interesting, by the way. Of all the people that were introduced on Saturday night before the Blues home opener, he got the loud, Chief got the loudest ovation of anybody. Wow. Mm. That's I, good. Yeah. Yeah. Because people like his style of coaching. I, I think with Barubi, he doesn't BS around. He expects a lot out of himself and mm-hmm. the players. And I feel like he just backs it up. It's, he's a coach that, one, of course, brought you the Stanley Cup, but a leader of men. We, we've talked about that with a lot of different coaching jobs and managing and stuff. He is truly a leader of men. Just watching how he turned everything around with the Blues during that Stanley Cup run, I've never seen anything like that before. Covering no. a lot of coaches, managers and stuff, I've never seen anybody be able to really just command a room like that like Bruby has. And you guys have both played sports at different levels. Brooke with tennis, Kerry obviously with football. But it's easy when a coach has been around for a while to lose the ear of your players. And, Brooke, you were at the rink the other day. I was at the rink a couple of times during training camp. It's remarkable how revered he is by his players. He still has their ear. They still want to play for Craig Berube. Yeah, and that's because that's him being honest with them. And authentic, So even when you heard last season where he's talking about Jordan Kyrie, where he kind of called him out, essentially, and I know that Robert Thomas was on the show here, and he said he didn't necessarily like that mm-hmm. ruby's very open to those discussions so he'll say okay we can we can talk about that and he'll be tough on you but he knows the right situations to kind of play things out and he's never doing it to just pick on you it's to bring the best out of you and a lot of the really good players recognize that i mean it's, it's he i think he does a great job and like you said being open and honest with your players is the best way to go about it if you are uh, a coach that that expects you know you drive the point home really hard and you're on them constantly and they understand this is the level that we need to play at and if we're not we're going to be talked to or or talked about in a way that we may not like it's a professional sport you have to do your job and if you don't you know that the coaches are going to be not pleased with you or not pleased with your effort so and then you run the risk of not having a job or not having as many opportunities as you normally would so I I like what Baruby does I like that he's open he's honest Uh, he has a little bit of humor and and is able to keep (laughs) that part keep it light when need to uh but yeah this team is is better because he is sitting on that bench and and guiding them in the direction they need to go 
And one other note for you, NFL tonight, you've got the Jaguars and the Saints. That one's on Amazon Prime. Yesterday, the league announced that Roger Goodell's contract had been extended through March of 2027. What are the commissioner's goals through this deal? From my standpoint, there's still a number of things we want to do as a league. It's not my agenda. As a matter of fact, when we talked about the long-range plan, we talked about this is your long-range plan. This is our long-range plan. And it's a... Listen, there are, there are a lot of challenges out there, but there are also a lot of opportunities for us. And we're focused on how we make the NFL better every day, how we become a global sport. I think some very exciting things are happening in that context. And I feel really good about where the National Football League is today, but we don't, we don't sit around and tell ourselves that. We, we really sit and we really focus on what are the things we need to do. If you listen closely, basically, he said, we're going to make a lot more money. <laughs> you want to? Can we play that one more time? I'm going yeah, to yeah. make a lot. Why are you making so much money? But he's on record as saying he wants this to be a 25 billion dollar year entity. Let's listen again. From my standpoint, there's still a number of things we want to do as a league to make it's money. Not my agenda. As a matter of fact, when we talked about the long range plan, we talked about this is your long range plan to make money. This is our long range plan. To and it's a, listen, there are, there are a lot of challenges out there, but there are also a lot of opportunities to for make us. money. And, we're focused on how we make the NFL better every day, how we become a global sport. To make money. I think some very exciting things are happening in that context. For, to make money. I feel really good about where the National Football League is today, but we don't, we don't sit around and tell ourselves that. We, we really sit and we really focus on what are the things we need to do. To make money. <laughs> CD, I have an, uh, an, like a real question that I want to ask you about here with Roger Goodell. Yeah. What is the perception, you think, from current players and former players when it comes to the commissioner, whether it's Roger Goodell or anybody? I think anytime you are, your job is based upon keeping owners happy, you are going to not make players happy. Anytime that that's how the, the whole deal goes down, I think we all understood or, or, and understand that, you know, he works for the owners. And like I said yesterday, the, the NFL was a nonprofit organization for years, which meant they had to disclose how much money people were being paid. And now they are a for-profit entity, which now they no longer have to disclose that. Why? Why? <laughs> hey, why you were you hiding? nonprofit? Why, <laughs> hey, why were you nonprofit to begin with? B, why are you now for profit and not showing what people are making? It, it's yeah. you know, it's here, don't look over here. That 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 seems to always be and has been what the NFL is. It's a great great entity. They do a great job putting on a product for fans. Fans show up in in droves and they love it. As players, we are paid handsomely for it, but it's a business at the end of the day and the negotiation part doesn't always go. I think the NFL has the, the the weakest players union because we have too many players. Baseball, in my opinion, has the strongest. Mm-hmm. Those guys stand for one another. They make sure that they all know that the game that they're playing now has to be uh, in better in a better place 10, 15 years from now when the guys that when they're not playing for the guys that will be. In the NFL, it's so hard to do so many things with one another because it's just so many people. And then they also have times where they'll have a vote where it's almost during during times where it's 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 what you said, Randy, it's non-mandatory. Mm-hmm. Like it's not guys there. So how about have the vote week one of the season? How about have the vote when everyone is in 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 the same place so we all know that everyone is voting? You'll have votes that, you know, like I said, guys aren't in town. Yeah. And so they aren't able to have a yay or nay vote for whatever the case may be. So again, it's all done intentionally mm-hmm. but I think as in the terms of Roger Goodell he's great for the NFL uh, 
you know, some players enjoy him, some players appreciate him, but at the end of the day, you know who he's working for, and, and if you're on one side and he's on the other, you know how that goes. We're off and running here on the opening <laughs> drive. Coming up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646, 314-399-YOHO. What are you sick of? We've got sick of it coming up, plus names for the pregame show with a bunch of Italian guys. Uh, we're still <laughs> workshopping that one here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Sick of it here on 101 ESPN. If you're sick of something, feel free to send us a text 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO. Okay, kids, so we talked about the uh, Roger Goodell extension in the last segment, and uh, I'm sick of something. So mm-hmm. we got a record. We, St. Louis, our region, got a record of a 2013 phone call, October of 2013, with Rams owner Stan Kroenke, Roger Goodell. Uh, uh, Mara of the Giants and uh, Art Rooney of the Steelers, where Kroenke told the group on the phone, I'm going to buy two parcels of land and build a stadium in L.A. And Kroenke said to the group, we're trying to stay hard, trying very hard to stay under the radar and keep it hidden. Roger Goodell said, as a retort, we will respect your confidentiality. That was October, November, December, January. Three months later, Roger Goodell at his press conference before the Super Bowl in New York was asked about Stan Kroenke buying that land and said, well, Stan hasn't told us he's going to use it for a stadium. We would know if he was going to use it for a stadium. So Kroenke had told the league and Roger Goodell personally that he was going to buy a piece of land to build a stadium. And then when asked about it in a public forum, Roger Goodell said, I don't know anything about that. We're supposed to be told. So what I'm sick of is that the national media is aware of this, has all of this information, and never talks about it in regards to Roger Goodell being a liar, according to the U.S. court system. Hmm. Or at least the Missouri court system. Well, that's not the first time. Because there's been a lot of other situations. And even if you look at recently, was it the Dan Snyder situation where basically came out and said, I mean, there's nothing that... I can even mm-hmm. do about this. And it's like, but what is the point of all this? There should <laughs> be a checks point? and balances system <laughs> where you're able to yeah. hold some things accountable. Wow. Yeah. What are we doing and here? Come I on. love the NFL. I'm a huge NFL fan, as you guys know, a Titans fan. But as I've gotten older and I learned about the situation here in St. Louis, and then I saw the whole Dan Snyder situation, a million other situations, they sometimes miss the mark. And it's the best reality TV show out there. They yep. put out a great product, but they also do a really good job of hiding things. And I just wish somebody in the journalism industry that's not in the pocket of the league would report this nationally. Hmm. I could think of somebody who definitely has kind of missed out on some of those stories Mm -hmm. or had the opportunity. There's actually a lot of them. And there is some journalists who have really pushed and continue to push to get these stories out there. Mina Kimes did a wonderful mm-hmm. job of really staying on the Dan Snyder story yeah. and pushing that out publicly. But she was one of the few national figures that actually stood by that and was really strong on her opinions and the reporting of it. Other than that, there was really many other people who failed or the NFL does a really good job of scaring a lot of journalists away, or they also know how to really plan things out strategically where you can kind of bury a story. So a story can still get out there, but then you're able to kind of say, oh, look at this over here and distract yeah, people and get a bigger story out. Nope. It's no. just PR tactics. No. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pure, crazy, right? being so partners like, with a lot of people. Politicians. Mm-hmm. Sounds a little political to me. It kind of is, yeah. Intriguing. Yeah. You know what I'm sick of? I'm sick of people who have never had power who finally get power and lose that their damn mind. can be scary. I would like to... I won't say what I would like to do. <laughs> I don't like it at all. <laughs> I just am don't not a fan. Yeah, I'm not a fan of people who have never had power and then they get, you know, get a little bit of money, get a little bit of power, and they lose their damn mind. Lose their damn mind. It, it is, it is ridiculous. Money, you know, they say money is 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 the, is a, it's a wonderful thing. It 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 shows. It reveals who you truly are at your core. When you get a, a significant amount of money, if you were always a jerk and you were a broke jerk, you're going to just be a rich <laughs> jerk when you get money. It's not like your money changes you. It just reveals you. So I'm sick of that. I'm sick of people who who have either been bullied their entire life and get a little bit of power and they wield it over people or, you know, be better people. Be a better person. If you feel like I'm talking to you, I am. There you go. I like yep. it. Where you feel offended in the car, like, wait a minute, is this I'm, about me? Yeah, and I Probably. don't even know you. So yeah, <laughs> damn, I'm talking to you. Somebody else should have told you. It's so true though, because I feel like some people. It goes back to you can't just make a leader. I know. I feel like that's something that you really just have to work on and want to be. And I feel like a lot of people are just not meant to be leaders. No. And that, and then they get in that position of power, and then you really can tell that they're not meant to lead people. They just want to bully people because, like you said, Carrie, they were bullied themselves, and they yeah. never figured it out. I don't deal well with bullies. No, neither do Doesn't I. Doesn't go well for the bullies. You know what I'm <laughs> sick of? And, CD, I know you and I talked about this, so I'm going to kind of play off of it a little bit. But I am sick of this whole Jada and Will situation. Oh, I'm, Randy, Jada have you? I know that Travis, you're into pop culture, Tracy, too. What's her name? Who is it? That's not the Tracy? same thing. Don't put them in this. Do not put, Taylor, do not put them in the same. Oh, you're already don't, like shipping no, them. Don't, you're care. Sh- <laughs> don't put it in this. No, I'm, no, I'm I, I so am, tired of the Will and Jada Will. situation. Oh, oh Willie style. Yeah. It's so embarrassing. So Jada's coming out with a new book. She revealed that her and Will Smith have been separated for essentially seven years, which if you remember, when did that whole slap to the face that Will Smith did to Chris Rock. Like last year, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they were separated during that time. Now she's also going on book tours talking about how Tupac was her real, you know, soulmate. I'm like, is. I'm like, what are we doing here? What are we doing? And for Will Smith, I he hasn't said anything, but that has to be just really hard to deal with. And what about her kids too? I mean, your mom's just out there putting out all this business about this whole family dynamic and all the craziness. It just it comes across selfish to me, honestly. It it is, and I I hate to break it to Jada, but Will is. I mean, uh, Tupac is gone. He's no longer with us. Him and Elvis are. uh, For those that that are still searching for both of them, they they are not here. Unfortunately, (laughs) great artists. Mm-hmm. Just no longer here with us. You mm. can listen to their music forever. Don't perpetuity. they like, spot but, uh, them every once okay. in a while on an so, island somewhere yes, with Michael Jackson? Yes, thank you. Oh, okay. literally <laughs> sure. thank you. They literally good. just made an arrest in the murder of Tupac like a week ago. Yeah. Man, and I don't believe it. Yeah. Me either. Yeah. Jada's waiting for him. So uh, <laughs> an early take it or leave it, take it or leave it, Jada needs to start hanging out with uh, Larsa Pippen. Take oh, it. why not? Take it. Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. That's a reality show right there, isn't it? Like, might why be not just step. keep some information to yourself? <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> like, privacy is a great right. thing to have. Let's get to a couple of texts before we get to Greg Amzinger. Matthew, what do you got? Uh, I'm sick of Roger Goodell. He's the Antichrist. Proof's in the pudding. Yeah, Ooh. it is. 
Bad well. dude. 636 says, I'm sick of those who seek the end of Taylor and Travis headlines. Oh, oh there sick you of go. 636, you can be sick, sick of me. Terry, is that I'm, your phone number? Yeah, I'm sick of that. They're a cute couple. Oh, my God. <laughs> they as are. As cute as Jada and Will are. Yep. They're, oh, no. No, you don't want that. Yeah. You don't no. want that Jada and Will love anymore. Oh. No. No, it's not love. It's not love. It's not love. Yeah, I agree. It's not. (laughs) I'm sick of people not signaling while making a turn. It's a very simple one, but always yes. Agreed, 100. percent It's always fun to tell people. uh, It's like if you run into them in a parking lot. Hey, your your blinker bulb is out. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good idea. I need to do that. Yeah, it must be. You didn't hit the signal, pal. I'm sick of things saying posted, stated, reported on X, formerly known as Twitter. We know enough already. Yeah. The I, website still says Twitter.com. Yep. Just you, call you, it just call it the app formerly known as Twitter. Yeah, why why, like why waste your breath? Call I it like Twitter. It. Yes. I don't like I, I like X. it. I like I don't either. I like the app formerly known. I was a Prince fan, so yeah. oh, okay. the artist formerly known as Prince. Mm-hmm. I thought that that was a great way to go about his day. And so the app formerly known as Twitter, it probably would you know, not sit well with Elon. Perfect. Go ahead. What do you think people called Prince when he was the artist formerly known as Prince? The artist formerly known as Prince? Hey, how like you doing, artist formerly known as Prince? When they met him. <laughs> did, did you think maybe they did a I little... I don't know. That's a good question. Yeah. Like, when you saw him in person? Yeah. yeah. Right. The, do, you, do you do, like, a... a not an, <laughs> a it's symbol? not an anagram. What is it? That... Uh, you do a symbol? You have to like, write oh, the, the symbol, symbol on a piece of paper and like hold it up? Hey! Hey! <laughs> well, and I feel like Prince was the type of guy. F-cap. Artist formerly known as Prince. I feel like he wouldn't have let it slide either. No, he wouldn't have. I bet you, yeah, you would have had to reference 100%. Correctly. And then you would have had to challenge him to a pancake making contest and ping pong battle. Or a basketball contest. I challenge you to a He loves pancakes. He loves ping pong. And he loved basketball. Basketball. As we learned. Learned from uh, Charlie Dave. Murphy in Dave Chappelle uh, game blouses. As it turns out he probably did not love elevators. Oh, oh. Randy. <laughs> what? It was going to his personal studio. He used it all the time. Well, as it turns out, it oh, was not very friendly Jesus. to him, was it? Uh, I'm <laughs> sick of St. Louis Blues having less games in the beginning of the season than the other teams. Yeah, that means you get more later. That's good. It's a good thing. <laughs> there so, you go. Let's go sunshine lollipops on this. Thank you, Matthew. Uh, Greg Amzinger will join us next, talk a little bit about the LCS and about the possibility of Yadier Molina joining the Cardinals coaching staff. That's next on 101 ESPN. Warm weather means homework for homeowners. If your homework means a new deck, turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azek to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber St. Peter's is your go-to place for a huge selection of quality bedding plants, perennials, and hanging baskets. They also carry topsoil and potting mix for your gardening needs. Come visit all Hackman Lumber showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. 
Munzinger was up late last night doing MLB Tonight with Dan Plesak and Mike Lowell. They do a great job all the time, and they really turn it on during the postseason, and, and they are spectacular. So we're glad that Greg took the time and uh, woke up with us this morning here on 101 ESPN. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? You know, I'm, I'm doing well. I, I got to tell you that my relationship with Dan Plesak is starting to, to strain. Um, yeah, it, it started happening about two weeks ago, and I noticed something. And the next day, I noticed something, and then the third day, uh, he's stealing my eyes. If you if you actually go back and watch the shows, I've been keeping my ties at work, and he's walking into a room that has a box of extra ties of mine, and he's taking them, and. I don't know how to how to like, begin this conversation. I think it's going to be one that's going to almost ruin our friendship. But <laughs> I, that's really weird, and it's 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 alarming. And I, I we're friends. Just ask me for a tie. And why do you got to go? Why do you got to go and 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 start just snatching my ties? Does he man? keep like, them or does he return them to the box? He returns them with the same nasty tie, oh. the same knot. He doesn't even unknot no. them. <laughs> well, no. We can't have this. You know what, do you know what happens to a tie if you don't unknot it and you just throw it back in? It like wrinkles it forever. Right. Yeah. This is, I don't know, man. This Come is on, please beyond say. the pale. I, <laughs> Does he know that they are your ties? Yes. He knows. This is the essence of being big leagued. You, you, yes. Yes. Absolutely. I was trying to think of an analogy. Okay. So let's just say that Randy and I go on a on a golf trip, okay? And like, out of nowhere, I, I, I'm missing a can of hairspray, and and I, I you know I gotta go to CVS day after day, and all of a sudden Randy's got a side spike, and it looks really good. <laughs> and I'm like, Randy, yo, what are you doing with your hair? And he's like, nothing, man. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Randy's, Randy's looking great with side spike, and I don't, I can't do my thing with my hair. So I, I just think friendship is all about you know trust and honesty. Yeah. And Dan Plesak, Dan Plesak is straining that trust right now. This is going to find its way onto our social media pages, so Dan will find out about it indirectly. Uh, Greg, we got a lot to get lot to get to, but we did this yesterday and I want you to answer this question. On August 1st of 2016, the Dodgers trade Jordan Alvarez to the Astros for Josh Fields. About a year and a half later, the Cardinals trade Alcantara, Gallen, uh, along with Magnuria Sierra and Daniel Castano for Mar- Marcel Ozuna. Which team among the Dodgers and the Cardinals made the worst trade? Oh, man, that's really hard. Because Alcantara has taken a step back, um, i got to say the Jordan Alvarez trade is the worst trade. I don't know how, unless he has completely overnight changed his swing. I don't know how you part ways with him. Uh, Alcantara entered the big leagues. People saw what he looked like. Uh, Zach Gallon doesn't have the physicality that makes you go, wow, this is the next great starting pitcher. He's a very good pitcher, but he never threw 100 miles an hour and wasn't six foot six. So I, I look at it, how do you look at your Don Alvarez? And in my, in my estimation, the greatest left-handed swing since I started working at MLB Network in 2009 the balance of such a large man 
is incredible. If you love baseball, the closest thing I've seen uh, to Jordan Alvarez, and Jordan Alvarez is better. It's hard to say he's already way better than this guy, Dave Parker. If, if, if you baseball fans that remember Dave Parker, when he came over the Pirates and the Reds, and he played for the Oakland A's, and they were really good at the end of his career. Gigantic athlete, left-handed bat with incredible athleticism and balance. Your Don Alvarez is he's trying to be the greatest left-handed hitter in postseason history. Uh, you, you, if, you, if you go to like a, a minimum fifty games in the playoffs, which does eliminate Babe Ruth and only played in the World Series, and Bryce Harper isn't there yet, and Lou Gehrig only played in the World Series. But this is like in the modern era, okay? Among players who played 50 games, the third best OPS for a left-handed hitter, third best, is Jordan Alvarez at 9-11. And then above him is Hideki Matsui of the New York Yankees. And the greatest OPS for any left-handed hitter in the playoffs, a minimum of 50 playoff games, is David Ortiz. And David Ortiz had, uh, uh, I don't need to remind Cardinal fans of this, he had, he had a postseason where he was legitimately Babe Ruth. So I, I, to me, Jordan me, Alvarez is, I, I throw this around a lot, on the Hall of Fame highway. To be clearly on the Hall of Fame highway and you're not close to 30 years old, you're pretty damn special. I would say the Jordan Alvarez trade is the most painful. Well, Greg, the other big talker here in town is the reports about Yadier Molina possibly coming back here to St. Louis, joining the coaching staff. What are your thoughts about that, and what role do you think he would have? Because maybe, I'm thinking, being the Cardinals bench coach. Yeah, I, I think bench coaches, you know, all signs are pointing in that direction. And if, if that is the case, uh, Ali Marmol better get off to a hot start because this will eliminate the drama of, well, who's the better option? Who are you going to hire? If you're going to get rid of Marmol, who is it? Is it Joe Madden? Like, this is going to eliminate that. And also, I was thinking about this. You know, Yadier Molina is never going to be a yes-man manager. Like, that's just not in his DNA. He, he's an instinctual player. He's going to be an instinctual coach. And you want that. You want his instincts. That's just, he, they're second to none. To me, this is eerily similar to um, an Alex Cora situation in Boston. And look, I'm not saying that, that Yadier Molina is going to be the next manager of the Cardinals because if the Cardinals got to a great start next year, and they could. Ali Marmol is the guy. John Mozeliak fully supports him. That is the manager that he wants to have. But, but John Mozeliak only has a couple of years left in this recently signed final contract of his front office career. Uh, he's pointed that out at the press conference. He, he's trying to set the team up beyond him leading the front office. Well, here's the funny thing. When you win, everything's great. You don't really know what you got until there's adversity, right? You don't know how fast your family members are until your house is on fire. You might think they're all fast, but when the house is on fire, you find out that your brother Stevie can fly. So, so I think John Mozeliak looked around the room and realized, whoa, I don't think the long-term decision maker is in this room right now. So I want to leave this organization in the hands of at least someone who has instincts that can survive the fire. And I think that Yadier Molina, will, if the Cardinals get off to a bad start, if that happens, 
He's the manager waiting in the wings, and he will become the Cardinals' version of Alex Cora. What I mean by that, he's the foundational pillar of the organization. He remains when other GMs come and go, and I believe that is the direction that St. Louis is going to go in, which I think is the insurance policy Cardinal fans have been looking for when they face the adversity that they faced in 2023. Greg, Yachty said, well, he, we got reports that he said he would come back in some form of management or on the bench. What role do you think suits him best if he were to come back? I think bench coach. I think Brooke nailed it. I, th- I think he's the bench coach. He's in the ear of Ali Marmol, and he is the manager in waiting. The second things start to go off the rails. I, I, there's no other place to put him. You're not going to put him in the front office. Like this, this isn't going to be a Mike Matheny to the Royals situation where Mike Matheny went up to the front office with Dayton Moore and they taught him analytics. <laughs> and because they, they taught him analytics, he looked around and became friends with all the front office kids that love Boston former big leaguers around. And therefore, he wouldn't give them wedgies when they came down at the clubhouse. The second they realized Big Mike Matheny wasn't going to give them wedgies when they came down with his lineup, then they named him the next manager of the Kansas City Royals. I don't think this is that situation. I think they know Yadier Molina is what he is. And for the, I, that's why I never believed that Molina was a managerial candidate. I never thought for a second that the Cardinals would go in that direction because John Mozeliak was so fed up with arguing with managers that he hired. He did it with Tony LaRusso for years. That was the last time he was ever going to do it. He, he gives Mike Matheny a shot. Mike Matheny starts giving him pushback. He's like, are you kidding me? And then Mike Schilt gives him pushback. And he's like, are you, you told me you were going to be my yes man. And then he found Ali Marmol, who understood that he didn't have a ton of big league experience, but was willing to do what the job was descri- described as. And, and John Mozeliak loves him for it. So I never thought that Yadier Molina was going to be in this kind of a situation. But here we are after a really rough 2023 and the house is on fire. Jamo Zaylock realized who could run and who couldn't. And he needs someone who can sprint to go get the fire department. And that would be Yadier Molina. Greg, we love hypotheticals. I know you love hypotheticals, so I'm going to give you one. Game one, National League Division Series 2024, Citizens Bank Ballpark. Zach Wheeler is going to be on the mound at Citizens Bank Ballpark with that crazy crowd that we have seen. And Sonny Gray is starting for the Cardinals in game one. How do you feel about it? I don't know if that's the answer, Randy. I I know where you were leading, Nick. I've I've been down this path with you before. I was excited to hear the name Aaron Nola face Zach Wheeler at Citizens Bank Park. And then out of nowhere, you pull the rug from underneath my feet and you say Sonny Gray. I understand. I've seen this trick done to many a guest throughout your radio. <laughs> I, I, I would be disappointed. And, and, and the reason I, I say that, Sonny Gray is a terrific pitcher. But if Sonny Gray was the cherry on top, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to counter your it's not even a hypothetical, uh, your analogy. I'm going to give you my analogy. Okay. Uh, Sonny Gray is the cherry on top of a great Sunday. Unfortunately, the Cardinal Sunday doesn't have a banana and has no chocolate ice cream. So if you just give me some whipped cream, one scoop of vanilla ice cream, and, and a cherry on top, that's a pretty crappy Sunday. And I'm not, I mean, like, Sonny Gray's a terrific 
perfect cherry on top. That's a wonderful cherry. But I need the entire damn Sunday, and the Cardinals don't have it right now. They need a rotation full of horses, guys that give you innings. And Sonny doesn't do that. He's a five-and-dive, five-and-two-thirds kind of guy. And I don't know how. I don't know how in the world the Cardinals didn't watch Aaron Nola's last postseason start and not make him their number one target. It was surgical what he did, and, and, and it's stuff from the right side that, that it's pitchability that will age well. I'll put it that way. It's pitchability that will age well, and I think that has to be the number one target for the Cardinals, Aaron Nola. Hey, by the way, do you remember 1989 when the Cardinals signed Bryn Smith to be their prized offseason acquisition? He had a, an amazing red beard. How would he I did. ever? Fantastic. <laughs> I was really excited. I actually put Christmas lights on my on a on a bush out front of my house in the in letters B R Y N S M I T H. I was really excited. He that's how it would turn out if the Cardinals would sign Sonny Gray, Bryn Smith, who might go out and start the very first game for an expansion team. But do you want him starting game one at Citizens Bank Ballpark? No. Do you know what's amazing about you, Randy? Like, your nerdy stories um, are so massive that that Cardinal Nation actually caught up to your nerdiness. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you couldn't tell that story in 1989, right? No, you couldn't no. do that. But because I don't think you had the Jordache jeans to back it up. No, but, but, but now... You can tell that story. People are like, oh, my gosh, that would be an amazing TikTok. That's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> the Cardinal Nation has caught up to your nerdiness, man. Well done. Thank Excellent. you. Greg, nice. just real quick before we go on the topic of Aaron Nola, how much do you think is too much for Aaron Nola? Because we were discussing Bob Nightingale had the report that supposedly when they were looking at discussions, Aaron Nola was looking at eight years, 200 plus million. What do you think that price range will be like? And is there a number that might be too much for the Cardinals to reach? No, uh, where the Cardinals are right now. So I, I look at free agency and you can't go about this with a budget for the entire package that you need. It's it, To me, it, it, it's one bridge at a time. If you don't address it that way financially in free agency, you're gonna you're never gonna cross a bridge. You're gonna fall into the creek and worry about Sonny Gray and who, or whoever you're gonna sign next after you get the big fish. And and Aaron Nola should be that for the St. Louis Cardinals. I love Blake Snell as well. He's gonna really garner a ton of money. But Aaron Nola has every right to ask for eight years, thirty million a year. Based on what we've seen other pitchers get, uh, that's what he's going to gun for. Do I think he's going to get two hundred forty million dollars? No, but that's what he's going. That's where he's going to go. He's, he's going in that direction. Thirty million a year AAV for eight years. I think it's going to be over two hundred million, and the Cardinals need to be the team that wins that that bidding war. It's just the way it is. And, and then after after you get him, then you 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 know regroup. And what do we have left? to fix the other spots in this rotation. If you think you're going to get any of these free agents to give you the hometown discount to St. Louis, is such a chipper place to play. That just doesn't happen anymore, man. Free zoo. We got a free zoo. <laughs> free zoo. And you got you got baseball fans putting lights in their uh, – Sorry, yeah. We, 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 I kind so, of blacked so, out. So, so, <laughs> yeah, so it was colorful lights on the shrubbery, big giant bushes out front, and I spelled out Bryn Smith for Christmas. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> You You're said not going to get that twice, Randy. You repeated the story. <laughs> okay, uh, number one, the, the Diamondbacks don't come back, do they? No, no, okay. no, no. So, so, so that's safe. Does Houston come back? No, 
No, I don't think so. I think I think they, uh, they they made an emotional decision by giving the ball to Max Scherzer. The rest of the team is is loaded for bear, and they're better. They were going to battle back. It's a it's a rarity that they gave up eight runs in Globe Life. But I yeah, I I think the Rangers will move on and play the Philadelphia Phillies in the World Series. We learned a lot today, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, well, when, are you, are, when are you coming into town? By the way, we've got a KCLC reunion. Is that next month or is it later this? Yeah, month? it's like November, November ninth uh, and tenth or something like that. They got all these fun things. It's like there's a, there's an event called Coffee and Conversations, and it's going to be on Thursday. Well, I can't make it. Do you know how much I would enjoy Coffee and Conversations <laughs> about KCLC? I would absolutely love it. But I, I, some people don't live in the St. Louis metro area, so I uh, I'll be grinding to get there, but I will be there for the football game. So, unfortunately, can you believe that's what the first thing I'll do is tailgate. That's just so not my MO. So not my MO. Uh, 30 seconds, and I used this one when I went into the Lindenwood Hall of Fame. When I was at KCLC, one year, everybody in school, everybody at KCLC left town. So I was the only person they had to do morning DJ, news director, sports director. I did everything. (laughs) I, I turned the station up. And we were a smooth jazz station at the time. And I determined unilaterally that uh, <laughs> I didn't like all jazz music. So anything that had a saxophone wound up being jazz. So I'm playing Bruce Springsteen, yeah. Born to Run. And the general manager comes in and says, Randy, you can't play that. And I said, well, it's got a saxophone. It's jazz. He said, no, it's not. you got to play what's on the playlist. And I said, well, get somebody else. And then he turned white <laughs> as a sheet. And he said, oh, okay, play what you want. <laughs> I thought this story was going down a dark path. Oh, no, no. I changed the format of the radio station of my own volition. Uh, I was picturing Randy Carriker sitting in a pair of jam shorts, shirtless, and enjoying the fact that no one was going to come into that radio studio because you were the only one on TV. It has happened. It has happened. Not, not me, but it has happened. Oh. <laughs> Greg, have a great day. We'll be tuned in tonight, MLB Tonight on MLB Network. All right, you guys are the best. Take care. Thanks, brother. That's Greg Amsinger, MLB Network on on 101 ESPN. I cannot. There there was a lot that just happened in that entire segment. Yeah, yeah, police hacking his ties and (laughs) Randy changing radio stations, music on his own, just like the hell with it. (laughs) No one's here. Who's going to stop me? Who's going to stop me? (laughs) Take it or leave it next on 101 ESPN. Back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? We'll put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. CD walked out on us because he knows what my take it or leave it is going to be. Oh, no. Travis Kelsey buying a $6 million secluded mansion in Kansas City. Why? Because he's dating Taylor Swift and he doesn't want people bothering her while she's in KC. Take it or leave it. It's happening. The ring is next. Oh, the ring. Uh-huh. The oh, house, I'm going to take The it. house, now the ring. This Okay. My, my conspiracy theory is that they've been dating for a while prior mm-hmm. to this. That is my big conspiracy theory. And I think that Travis started floating out the idea to see how fans would react. 
And then when there was a great response, then they were like, okay, we can go ahead and move forward with this a little bit more publicly and we don't have to maybe keep it behind closed doors anymore. Yeah. That's my conspiracy yep. theory. It's a 16,000 square foot gated community mansion, six bedrooms, six baths, and there is security outside the front door. You need security. Mm-hmm. He's, he's the same size, essentially, as a lot of the security. Have you seen some of the photos mm-hmm. of them together? He oh, looks yeah. like he could be another security guard around those, those yeah, guys. Yeah, no doubt about it. So good for those kids. I'm proud of them. <laughs> Take it or leave it. We just talked to Greg about it. Uh, Yadier Molina will be your bench coach next season. I'm going to take that. Cardinals. I'm going to take it. I'm going to say that yes, he is. Uh, Brooke, take it or leave it. That's the only coaching move the Cardinals should make. Should make? I'm going to leave it. I think that there are still some other things. We were discussing it earlier in the week. I think that almost like a Dave Duncan that Yachty could be a pitching coach, essentially. You've seen catchers do that in the past. Mm-hmm. And I think that you also can't put everything on Yachty. If you're going to give him one role, then he needs to be able to focus on that. I, I feel like you'll need some more with the coaching staff. You, you talked about it yesterday about how slim this coaching staff is compared to others in Major League Baseball. You need to have some more. Yeah, and having another pitching coach to help out uh, Robert Blake would be really nice. <laughs> All right. Uh, Matthew, CD still hasn't come back yet. What, Matthew, what do you got on the text line? Take or leave the Cardinals get either Nola or Yamamoto. I'll take it. I'm going to be Sunshine Lollipops. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to be realistic. Oh, okay. You're going to say no? That Sonny no. comes home and that's it? That's it? Because here's my thing is that, I mean, it's going to cost you a third, half of what you're going to pay you know, one, some of these guys in a year to get Yamamoto on top of the contract because of the posting fee. It's just the extra $30 million it's going to cost you, I just think maybe takes them out of the Yamamoto sweepstakes, and I think they're already out of the NOLA one. The Cardinals gave Mike Leak 80 over 5. They'll Ooh. give Sonny Gray at least 90 over 5 yeah, six yeah. years later, seven years later, right? Yeah. Is Sonny Gray worth that? Uh, see, that's the thing. Sonny Gray's in a great position. Sonny Gray should be sending edible arrangements to uh, <laughs> both Shohei Otani for getting hurt. And I, can you send edible arrangements to jail for Urias? I don't know. Oh. Uh, is he, yeah. Uh, is but he anyway, in jail right Is now? he in jail? Yeah, yeah. He's somewhere He's in jail. Oh, okay. He's not playing, that's yeah, for sure. That's true. So yeah. anyway, those guys should be getting edible arrangements from Sonny Gray because he inc- they increased his value dramatically simply because now, rather than being the fifth best pitcher or the sixth best pitcher in a free agent class, he, he is... Maybe third or fourth. Yeah. So you have Nola, Nola Snell, Snell, Yamamoto, right? Do you put them in front of uh, Sonny Gray? Yeah, I put all of them. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm just saying that because we haven't seen them here mm. in this environment. Well, we we know Nola's a stud. We yeah. know that uh, we, we don't know about Yamamoto. Blake Snell's going to win the Cy Young Award. He's already won one. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, it, Blake Snell is a left-handed five-and-dive that gets a lot of people out and has a low ERA. Sonny Gray has a low ERA, but his uh, there's a big difference. Blake Snell has had he's pitched in a World Series and been on the edge of being a, a world champion. And I just Greg brought up the idea of a six-six starter. I don't like having a all due respect to five ten people. <laughs> I don't like having a five ten number one starter. <laughs> See, and you're 5'10", right? There you go. I love having a 5'10 fullback. <laughs> and now they started. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty shady. There you go. <laughs> so, so, you, so you taking Blake Snell over, over uh, Sonny Gray? 
up. Well, if, you, if those are your only two options, Aaron Nola mm-hmm. is off the board, Yamamoto off the board, the only two options you have, the only two, okay. not via trade, oh, wow. nowhere else, you have two people, Blake Snell, Sonny Gray, who you yeah, taking? Le- well, I would take Blake Snell. Okay. And let me make the point here that there is a difference. And Snell, by the way, six four two and a quarter. Uh, <laughs> it's going to cost you eight or nine million more a year. Fine. Okay. I'm, trying yeah, I'm trying to win. I'd rather have the the five inning guy that just has bananas numbers. I, uh, the guy threw 180 innings this year. He led the league with a 2.25 ERA. In those 180 innings, he struck out 234. And, and oh, by the way, has also won a Cy Young award in the past. So yeah, I, based on recency bias, I, I would take him. I would. You just don't want Sonny. I, I'm fine with Sonny being a number three starter. Yeah. That's Damn. the problem. You but don't, we already have one of those. We have, yeah. If you, yes. uh, is he the three and Miles Michaelis becomes the four? If you get Sonny Gray and two if, other guys. If you get two other guys, if you get Nola and Snell and Sonny Gray, then you got something. What, what, oh, but yeah. Sonny, but Sonny Gray is the number three. Uh, we, we talked about it yesterday. Uh, we, the Cardinals don't have a guy that we, you would plug in right now that would be the number two starter for any of the final four teams. And Sonny Gray is a fine pitcher, but he's not a number one. And that's what the Cardinals desperately need. All right, Matthew, anything else? Are we done? Uh, take it or leave it. Picking up Julio Jones in my fantasy league was a good move. I'll leave, take, I'll leave it. Leave uh, that. Yeah. Who, 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 who's going to be the first guy? Where did he leave after he, he went to Tennessee? Tennessee. He, yes. And then he Tampa. went to Tampa. Tampa. Mm-hmm. Is it somewhere else after that? Now the Eagles. That's I mean, it. now the Eagles. Yeah, this is his fourth Him team. and AJ Brown have the Tennessee Titans connection. There is that. Oh, yeah, that there passing game. Yeah. Another very good opinion from the other gridiron hey, it brought guy. brought them together, so I think that's a thought well, process. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, they're like two hands that are together. That came across <laughs> yesterday when I was in the office, and I just go, hey, Stoltz, is Julio Jones going to do anything with the Eagles? Very emphatically, just, no. Yeah, all right, that's all I need to hear. I don't even know why they got him. I mean... No offense. Is Quez no still? Offense. Yeah, somebody got hurt. Quez is out for the year, I think. Yeah, that, that, that's it. I'm going to have to call my guy and see. He's got yeah. a lot of guys in that room that need the ball. Coming up on 101 ESPN, what would the presence of Yadier Molina in the dugout mean for the rest of the Cardinal organization? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. I think bench coaches, you know, all signs are pointing in that direction. And if if that is the case, uh, Ali Marmol better get off to a hot start because this will eliminate the drama of, well, who's the better option? Who are you going to hire? If you're going to get rid of Marmol, who is it? Is it Joe Madden? Like, this is going to eliminate that. And also, I was thinking about this. You know, Yadier Molina is never going to be a yes-man manager. Like, that's just not in his DNA. He's an instinctual player. He's going to be an instinctual coach. And you want that. You want his instincts. That's just, they're second to none. So, if Yadier Molina winds up being the Cardinals bench coach, does that portend problems for both Ali Marmol and Joe, John Mozalek in terms of having their current jobs if the Cardinals don't win? Are they setting the stage for replacing those people uh, if they get off to a bad start, the manager? And like Greg said, 
Yachty's not going to be a yes man. And historically, according to Greg, John Mozeliak has required a yes man. Does the presence of Yadier Molina change the trajectory of those two futures with the Cardinals? For John Mozeliak? Both Mo and and Ali. uh, See, I'm not of the the mindset. I, I don't think that for Ali, first of all, if you're the manager and you bring in Yadier Molina, they bring in Yadier Molina. You have to have confidence in yourself and what you are and who you are to this ball club, what you mean to this team, and not be overly concerned with why he's being brought in. He's being brought in to assist me as the manager. That has to be your mindset. If you're John Mose, like you probably are bringing him in with the expectation that, yeah, there's going to be some pushback, and you have to be willing to accept that. I think that's one of the things, and I, I think at times I feel like I don't know if he does or doesn't, talking about Yali. Yali, Yali. I would hope that he does push back on some of the things that are said or, or asked or required because we're not always going to agree. We can run a successful business. We can run a successful team and not always agree with how we're going to get the product finished. As long as the product gets finished and everyone is on the same page and everyone is working towards the same goal in mind. But if we are on opposite ends of everything and never agreeing. Mm-hmm. I think that's what 2023 was a was a snapshot of just everything that could go wrong did go wrong, in my opinion. It, it wasn't great for the Cardinals. And so hopefully, if Yachty is here, there's a shift in the mindset on all, on all sides, on all fronts, where we're going to work together. Even if we don't agree, we're going to work together to win games and, and win championships. And, Brooke, I think one of the things that the presence of Yadier Molina would bring to the Cardinals is the eye test. He spent 20 years behind the plate at the major league level, and he's a guy. I don't know if the Cardinals would go this direction, but he can say, hey, the guy's throwing great. Let's not take him out. Yeah, 100%. That brings in that gut and feel instinct that you are seeing with the teams that are left right now in the postseason, especially when you're looking at some of those managers like Bruce Bochy and Thompson and all the others is that and Dusty, is that you see that gut and feel instinct. Yadier Molina has that. We know that. Bringing him into the organization instantly makes them better. And when it comes to Ali Marmol and that whole situation, we know that his contract is up next season. There's no excuse not to win is the thing. If you bring Yanni in and he's going to be your bench coach or whatever role he might have, there's no excuse not to win, especially if you are going to address the roster construction this offseason, because that was also a really huge factor. A lot of that was not on Ollie, and even John Mosellock admitted that. You do have to construct the roster better. You do have to get starting pitching. We've seen that with the teams that are left right now. Starting pitchers is what drives these teams and drives these teams to win in the postseason. And bringing in Yadier Molina also signals that I think that you are getting back to kind of that way of thinking, almost what we call old school way of thinking of where you have to let that gut and feel instinct really take over sometimes and allow that to happen and let them have an input. So maybe this will be hopefully a great collaboration with Ollie and Yachty where you can say, okay, like I see the numbers, but then this is what I'm feeling in this moment. And you can have that collaboration of things. And thanks to listener Ben Kenner, who sent me a tweet and it's really interesting. If you were to go to the Cardinals website and click on the tickets tab, it says 2024 season tickets now available. The 2024, the 2 in red, the O in red, the 2 in red, the 4 alone conspicuous 
is in navy blue. The four really <laughs> sticks out in the 2024 <laughs> for the Cardinals. I wonder if they're telling us something there. Or they're just trying to sell season tickets. Oh, is that, that what be, it is? That, Are they manipulating be, us? That, oh, that would not be manipulated fair. Before. <laughs> and, and you make a great point about the roster construction because if you look at the 40 man now, it's kind of a mess. And there are things that need to be done. And this has been an issue with the Cardinals. We talked last year about the bullpen and how, how landlocked they were with so many of their relievers. And Kerry, you talked all year about having players that play every day. They need to set up their roster so that they can get their best players on the field every day. And you aren't trying to be the Dodgers, but you're trying to be the Braves. But Because I think the Cardinals' talent is more in line with that, with playing every day rather than trying to mani- manipulate things. I think that's the best way to go about it. You, you play your guys, your best players in the same roles, in the same spot every single day. And when you do that, you have success. I, 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 this is just this is going to be intriguing to see how this goes, because if you're going to bring Yachty in and change the mindset that, OK, John Mosley, like you're not going to be so analytically driven, you're going to allow your managers, then you should just have done that with Ali in the first place. Like, if mm-hmm. that's the case, right. you didn't have to bring in another person to, to, to I guess, initiate that mindset, that driving force. It's going to be interesting to see how everything plays out with this. And if that's this why, takes place. Yeah, and that's why Greg said it's almost kind of essentially like waving the white flag where they realize, mm-hmm. what did he say with his analogy about when the house is burning, all you of a sudden you see. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and that was the perfect situation because you really don't know until you're in a situation like that of exactly what your response is going to be, whether it's fight or flight. And I hope that by bringing in Yachty, they're showing that they're not going to freeze in this situation. They are actually going to do something. And Yachty is going to do things his way. So there's no way that he would agree to come here if they weren't allowing him to be who he is and who he's been in his entire career. Last point. I believe if the Cardinals hire Yachty or Molina, at least a small portion of the reason they hire him is to try to salvage the Wilson Contreras contract. Yes. Yes. I believe that Wilson Contreras is the Cardinal catcher and that Yachty or Molina will nurture him and prepare him for games behind the plate to make him a better catcher and a a better game manager than he was last year. And that's exactly what you should be doing. You should be maximizing that contract and getting everything that you can out of it because that also helps when you're attracting other free agents. Mm-hmm. I mean, whether it's pitchings, whatever you might need in the future, I think that seeing that you're going to do whatever it takes to maximize that contract and not just give up on it is very important. The Blues host to the Diamondbacks, to the, the Diamondbacks, the Coyotes, somebody from Arizona, <laughs> uh, and Bernie Federico, the Hall of Famer, will, will join us to talk about the Blues so far next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. Presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors, a proud partner of your St. Louis Blues. Find your perfect new floor at our four convenient locations and online at boardwalkhardwood.com. Super Bowl champion Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. We go to the celebrity line now, and Hall of Famer Bernie Federico joins us. The Blues in action tonight against Arizona, and you can see that game on Bally Sports. And Bernie will have the pregame with Alexa Dat and the intermissions and the postgame. Good morning, sir. How are you? Great, thanks. It's great to have you with us. Let's start with this. Is it hard for a team to get into a groove when you've had this lurching schedule to start the season with so many days off? 
Yeah, it kind of is. I mean, no one really, really likes to practice that much. And when you're when you're in practice so many times, I think you can hardly wait for the games. I think, you know, it happened to them last year, unfortunately, at the beginning of the year. Let's hope that uh, uh, this doesn't trend that way after what happened last year. So I, I hope that the guys are all ready to get out there again tonight. Well, the good news, supposedly, is that with Pavel Buchnevich is that he's just considered day-to-day right now as he's recovering from that shoulder injury, which I think that's probably the best-case scenario for that situation, and hopefully it won't linger on for him. What do you think of the way that Berube has really kind of switched up the line combinations, putting Brandon Sod on the top line with Robert Thomas and Kairou, and then having Torpchenko upgraded to that top six role? Yeah, this is a really great opportunity for, I think, for Torbchenko. I mean, to prove that what he can do. I mean, he's a young kid that uh, does a lot of really good things. Uh, you know, he's, he's fast, he's quick, he's big, uh, loves to forecheck. So hopefully this is a really good opportunity for him to show that he has some offensive skills, too. It, uh, yeah, I think it was it was the obvious to put Saad up there on that line. He played with uh, Thomas and Kyrie a little bit last year. And, yes, let's hope that Buchnevich is out, not out very, very long. But obviously the Blues have got to start scoring some goals. I mean, two goals – in two games is really going to be uh, one of those things that's not going to really cut it. But, hey, they've scored two goals and they really have three points. So I guess we shouldn't complain about that. Bernie, how do you get them going on the power play? Eight attempts, zero goals on the power play. I think they have only had two shots on the power play in those eight attempts. How do you get those guys going and what do they need to do to get going? Well, Kerry, you got to put pucks to the net. I think that's the most important thing. I mean, what they've not been able to do, really, they've really not been able to get it even into the offensive zone. And I think that's going to be the whole key is that they got to get some retrieval. Uh, you know, if you can't pass the puck in, in with speed and get it into the zone, you've got to really you got to dump it in. You got to grind and get three or four guys there first and, and, and get the puck and get control of it. So I think once they have that. Um, you know, again, get the puck back to the point, uh, move it around and get some shots. I mean, I think that they need to get traffic in front of the net and um, that's what it is. I mean, it's all about confidence. When, once you get a puck to the net, once you uh, start feeling um, that, that you're doing something right, <laughs> then it usually uh, kind of just comes through. So hopefully they can, uh, you know, get something, just at least get a good shot on goal and a good attempt tonight. And if they get a good chance, then, then hopefully they'll get a little bit of confidence. Bernie Federico with us on 101 ESPN. Bernie, at the other end of the ice, obviously Jordan Binnington has been great so far. And you've played with goalies, and the Blues have had multiple guys that preferred to see a lot of shots to stay sharp. Curtis Joseph always said that, and, and Grant Fuhr obviously won cups, seeing tons of shots when he was in Edmonton. As a player, are you aware of that when your goalie, some goalies like to only see shots in the teams, some guys like to see 35. Are you aware of that as a player, and does it affect the way that the, the team plays in front of the goalie? No, not really, Randy. It shouldn't. I mean, I think most goaltenders will tell you they, they would love to have lots of shots. I mean, that's why they're there is, is to, to make saves. But I think ultimately, uh, the less shots you give up, I think the better a team that you are. And I think it's easier for a goaltender to play. And I'm not saying that it's easy to be a goaltender, but I think if you look at the years that Marty Rodeur played a goal in New Jersey, they were very solid uh, structured defensive team and he didn't really get a lot of shots and, and a lot of times I think goaltenders say that you know if you don't get the feel of the puck that often by not getting many shots I mean you get a little stale in goal but uh, I don't think you really kind of put that in whatever happens in the course of a game um, it has to happen the goalie has to make the save anyway but I don't think you're not saying okay let's try to give him lots of shots so that he that he can get ready for the game or or be better so I think you just got to go out there and whatever happens but I think it's still the, the better you can play defensively uh, the better it is but obviously the way Jordan Bennington is playing right now it, it seems that it doesn't matter how many shots he gets because it seems like he's going to stop them all 
Who have you seen kind of progress defensively this season? Colin Pareko, it looks like that he's been exceptional so far in these first two games. Is that just us seeing a healthier Colton Pareko this season so far? I would say yes. I mean, I said it all along is that I think that uh, when you looked at the defense last year, I mean, I think all of them said that they didn't really play up to their potential. And and I think that, uh, you know, a year has passed by and, and a summer has gone by. And I think everybody is, has really got that mental attitude that, that we've got to be better than we were last year. And I think that each, each and every uh, one of the defensemen are saying that. And yes, Colton, I think he's always solved. I mean, he had some uh, you know, some games last year that, that, that things didn't go that well. And the whole team was kind of that way. And uh, really down the stretch, so I thought the defense played much better at, at the end of the year last year. And I think they, they, they put that and carried out that right on into, into this year. So, so I mean, that's just kind of a, a mental thing right now. Uh, just keep playing the way they are. They're not giving you a lot of chances up. And, and they just got to continue to work. And I think that's the whole key uh, as a defenseman. Uh, use your body. I mean, Colton's a big guy. You, use your strength there to, to do your best for the team. And, and each one of those guys does does that. They'll get the job done. Bernie, is there a player that we should keep our eyes on in the next coming game, that, that a guy that maybe you think has not played up to the level just yet but is on his way to doing something really good for him? I think that we'll have to look, carry at all of them. I mean, obviously, I think we'll, the, the whole the spotlight is still going to be on Cairo and, and Thomas. I mean, uh, you know they scored a goal the other night. They were a nice passing play, but 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 they're the nucleus of this hockey club. So I think that we're going to have to continue to watch them. And I think Robert Thomas is the key to the power play. Uh, he's got to get that going. And I think that when he gets that going, then the power play could be very very dynamic. And um, you know I thought Kyrou played really well the last couple of games. Uh, uh, both the games he's he's really skated. He's worked. He's done those little things. And and hopefully the offense is going to come. But I mean I think that's the whole thing is that we saw this team. Uh, they're very capable of scoring goals. I mean, we, we, we've talked about this last year, the year before. It's a, it's a team of four lines, and it's got depth, and they all can score. So uh, they've got to score. I mean, two goals is not enough through two games, and, and I think they all understand that. But uh, if they continue to play solid defense, they're going to get their chances. But when they get their chances, they, they certainly all have got to start scoring some goals. Jeremy Rutherford reported a couple of days ago that there was a little bit of a scuffle between Braden Shin and, and Jordan Cairo. Uh, maybe Cairo wasn't getting back on defense in the match in which Shin would have liked. Uh, how important is it for your teammates to hold guys accountable, especially your captain? Well, everything's accountable. I mean, uh, that was just a practice. That was a practice. That was a battle drill there, uh, you know, so it really was not that big a deal. I was there at practice. I mean, you're going to have that. I mean, you want to have emotions in practice. And when it's battle drills, uh, you know, if you get sour, you're going to do something about it. So, I mean, it's going to happen all, all year long. We we always see it. So, uh, yes, I mean, everybody's accountable. And, and, you know, when you're in the heat of the moment, even in practice, sometimes <laughs> you can get that little edge and, and, and it's going to blow up a little bit. But certainly that was nothing. I mean, uh, you're, you're, it's hockey. It's a physical game. And, and when you're out there practicing, things good are going to happen. I think Chief said it best is that you've got to have that. Everybody's got to play with the emotion because when, you, when you've got the emotions, it, it spills out to the games as, as well when you're playing against the other team. Finally, Bernie, the Blues 2024 Hall of Fame class will be revealed tonight, and a couple of your contemporaries are finalists, Wayne Babich and Mike Liute. Mike hasn't played in almost 40 years here in St. Louis. He, he left in 1985. For people that didn't have an opportunity to see Mike Liute, how good was he? Well, I thought he was the best in the business at the time I was playing. I mean, uh, the year 80-81, Mike uh, really came into his own. Mike was one of those first big stand-up goaltenders. 
that was really, really difficult to beat. And I think about Mike, is, and I, you know what? It's funny, interesting that, that Bennington is his client. Mike's an agent. And Vinny has that competitive juice that Mike always had. I mean, when Mike got going, even in practice, he was so competitive that you couldn't even score. And when he scored on a practice, he was sour. So I always thought that Mike uh, was, 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 was the best. And, and it was a shame when, when we, had, you know, we traded him to Hartford, uh, you know, in, in, the early, in the mid-80s there. So uh, I, 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 you know, I, I always thought he was uh, – he did. He played, you know, for Canada in the Canada Cup. And so, so he, he is one of the best in the business. And, and I think that he, you know, with, with all these goaltenders now going to the Hall of Fame uh, this year with Vernon and, and uh, Barrasso and, and, and uh, um, uh, guys, the older guys like that going, and I think that Mike certainly has, has his time that, that he may certainly get that opportunity to go into the, in the Hockey Hall of Fame as well. Bernie, always great to have you with us. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. We'll be tuned in tonight. Thanks, Randy. Thanks, you guys. Have a great day. See you later. Also, by the way, among the finalists, Curtis Joseph, uh, David Backus, Jeff Brown, Kelly Chase, Pavel Dimitra, Grant Fuhr, Brendan Shanahan, Alexander Steen, Kachuk, Turjan Twist. Man, the Blues have a great history. It's amazing that it took them as long as they did to win a Stanley Cup, but that's a great Team Hall of Fame. That's a great really group is. of guys. Yeah, and yeah. that's that's guys that just have a chance to get in yeah. tonight. So hopefully uh, we'll get some. Well, we will we will get the announcement tonight, and hopefully uh, some people will be on hand to accept those accolades. Coming up, we've got the fight. Do we need a fighter? We do need a fighter. So text in to the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO with your name and the word fight. Maybe Matthew will pick you to fight me next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Please welcome Randy Carriker. Welcome back to the Opening Drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is John. John, how you doing? I'm doing well. How you doing? Doing well. I saw you posted uh, Hazelwood Central for the love of Hazelwood Central. Go Hawks. <laughs> well, see, the thing see, is, I, sir, John, I, I, I do follow your team, but I hope y'all, you know, and do better. I, I okay. knew it was something in the game, John. I knew something was wrong when I – it's okay. Go Hawks from this end. <laughs> and wherever you went, you know, go them. <laughs> go U City. That's right. Oh, oh no. Lions or, or what was Kieran didn't like that. Yeah, the Lions. You Lions. You got it right. You City Lions. Black and gold. All right. The who? No, no, oh, no. Oh, Kieran no, no. not oh, like that either. John, now. Nah. Well, come on now. We, we know where the real black and gold lies. All right, John. Here we go. Altuve's homer last night tied two postseason records. He joined Schwarber and Pujols with 10 in the LCS, and he joined this Hall of Famer as the only players to hit 25 or more postseason home runs. Is it Reggie Jackson, Bernie Williams, or Manny Ramirez? Manny Ramirez. Question number two, John. On this day in 2006, the Cardinals beat the Mets 3-1 in Game 7 of the NLCS on their way to a World Series win. They scored two runs in the top of the ninth in that game. Which Cardinal bat- batted them in? Was it Jim Edmonds, Scott Rowland, or Yadier Molina? Molina. Who is the only Cardinal to homer across the six games of the 2013 World Series? Was it Matt Holliday? Carlos Beltran or Alan Craig? Mm, good question. There you go, Rock. Rock. Let's say Beltran. 
Rock just beams when he hears that. He does. <laughs> Final question, John. We all know Gretzky is the all-time scorer in NHL history, but which Red Wing holds the record for the most points for one franchise? Is it Steve Eiserman, Gordie Howe, or Nicholas Lidstrom? Gordie Howe. All right, we'll double-check our score, and we will bring in Randy Carricker. All right, John, how you feel? I'm about 75, 25. Okay. okay. That, that, that's, you feeling good, then? 75 in the red. <laughs> oh, <man>. <laughs> <laughs> hey, confidence is key. That ain't great. Well, Randy, it's the first time I've seen you with grapes, sir. That's first. That's really. I missed that one. I saw the grapes in the hallway. I was like, "Whose grapes are those?" Because I'm gonna steal one. I uh, should have stolen. Grapes. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. I saw the grapes he had yesterday. They were like, like, like big hail, like big, like, like golf ball size grapes he's got over there. You got some quality produce Costco over there. Costco grapes. There you there go. You go. Oh. Randy, say hello to John. John, good morning. How are you, sir? Good morning, Mr. Kirk. I'm doing fine. Hey, thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We do appreciate it. All right, Randy, you ready? I'm ready. Altuve's homer last night tied two postseason records. He joined Schwarber and Pujols with 10 in the LCS, and he joined this Hall of Famer as the only players to hit 25 or more postseason home runs. This Hall of Famer, huh? Mm-hmm. Hmm. I'll do... Uh... I'll do the, the lifeline here. Reggie Jackson, Bernie Williams, Manny Ramirez. Well, Manny Ramirez isn't in the Hall of Fame. And uh, who was the other one besides Reggie? Bernie Williams. Bernie Williams is not in the Hall of Fame. So I'm going to go with Reggie Jackson. Uh, question number two. On this day, I'm sorry, I'm trying to hold it together. Um, we'll just we'll keep going. On okay. this day in 2006, the Cardinals beat the Mets three to one in Game Seven of the NLCS on their way to a World Series win. They scored two runs in the top of the ninth in that game. Which Cardinal batted them in? Yadier Molina hit a two-run homer. Who is the only Cardinal to hit a home to hit to homer across six games of the 2013 World Series? You want me to read that again, sir? Uh, the only Cardinal to hit a home run in the World yeah. Series in 2013. 13. 13. Yes, sir. I think Matt Holliday hit two in that series. Final question. We all know Gretzky is the all-time scorer in NHL history, but which Red Wing holds the record for the most points for one franchise? Um, Gordy who? Gordy who? Who? It's, who? He was like an owl. Who? Who? Mm. who? Uh, How do you spell that? Uh, H-O-W-E. Oh, okay. Is that how? Uh, yeah. All right. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, he's second all-time in points. He did play in the WHA, so I'm going to go with Gordy Howe as my guy. That who you going with? What do we have going on here? We have an issue. Because we got an I issue. Have an issue. <laughs> I, <laughs> I make, writing a state, writing one of the Please questions, made face. a statement that was incorrect. <laughs> he knows what the and that was me just being like, well, yeah, Manny Ramirez has all these records. He, of course, his career hasn't been tainted by anything, Randy. He was trying to avoid getting pregnant. There you go. Uh, that's why he was suspended for steroids. Yep. So here's the thing. Because I screwed up question one, and you obviously went with the with, with the other question, John got that one right. You both got three right, but obviously question one is tainted. So I will throw it out here oh, to the dais. Oh! Why, why are you owing me? Oh, this owing is me? tough. Uh, I've already got my pad ready. <laughs> <laughs> Do we go? I think you got to go to a tiebreaker. Tie or, Randy knew. See, here's the thing. 
Do we Randy have John the back? Answer. Or do we have John back tomorrow? Either way. Uh, I think you should have what, John what is, back what, tomorrow. John, what do you want? Would you rather I'll do come back tomorrow? I, I want to go to the Hall of Fame. There you go. Okay, you, he you wants a fair shot. That's, yeah, that's that's a hundred percent on me. I'll, I'll make a couple on that. When I was writing the question, I was like, yeah, but, you know, Hall of Famer. He, that's that's who did it, obviously. Many rare years in the Hall of Fame. I love He's the fact that you knew the answer and you, you knew that he was not a Hall of Famer and you, <laughs> you knew that Manny Ramirez <laughs> was the correct answer. Yet and still, and that's what I you get. being the honorable man that you are <laughs> decided to answer it with the Hall of Famer because you are just the best. <laughs> so because of that, John, you did incredible. You tied Randy, but we're this match. We're gonna have you back on Friday and we're gonna give you the shot that you deserve with a hundred percent true question. With no <laughs> stupid, I don't, it's flowery. I didn't even need to put it in there. The, the question's fine if I just leave out Hall of Famer and try to not just get flowery with it. And I be thought like, I would have oh, the Jack. Yeah, make it better. But no, I, I screwed that one up, and that's on me. So, John, we'll have you back tomorrow for another fight, and we'll see if you can take on Randy Carricker on Friday. Hall of looking forward to it. Quickest, that's the quickest fight ever. Yeah. Hall of Famer? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, John said he wants to be a Hall of Famer, so he just wants to fight. He's got to yeah, yeah, keep fighting for it. That's, yeah, that's 100% on me. That was a great fight from John. Again, the answers, by the way, in those questions. Manny Ramirez holds the record. He's not in the Hall of Fame because he was trying not to get rock. pregnant. I'm and proud that's of important. Rock. And hey, 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 I, I, again, I had the question. I just don't that's add that growth. in there. We're 100% fine. We're free and clear. We sail, baby. But no, I decided to get a little flowery, and I completely screw up the fight. Jesus. Um, so he joined. Randy Ramirez is the only player to ever hit 25 or more. Randy Ramirez, of course, holds the record for most postseason home runs with 29 in his career. On this day in 2006, it was, in fact, Yadier Molina who hit a two-run shot in the top of the ninth to put the Cardinals ahead 3-1, to one, where they eventually would win that game thanks to Adam Wainwright. The only Cardinal to homer across six games of the 2013 World Series, Randy Carricker. It was, in fact, two home runs by Matt Holliday. Again, they were an RBI team. It was about base mm-hmm. hits with guys on base. And we all know Gretzky, the all-time leading scorer in NHL history, the all all-time leading scorer for one point in NHL history is, in fact, Gordy Howe with just a couple hundred points Gordie more who? than Steve Eiserman. Mm-hmm. Gordy who? There you go. There you go. Right. I'm proud of you, Rock. That was... I, like, that, I that, that's, it's that, like, here's the thing. It's, it's when not we like make mistakes, other ones, we just own it up. It's own not like other ones where I have, go. like, a number wrong or a name wrong. I, I put something in the question that wasn't necessary, yeah. and it just screwed up the entire question. And that's a hundred percent on me because in my head I'm like, well, yeah, of course Manny Ramirez is a Hall of Famer, yeah. but I, I can't even exist, I can't so. even laugh that hard because it was it was an honest mistake. Hundred percent on me, and you owned up to it. So now we just go on to the next one. But yeah. we did have Thank fun you. in the moment because if did. you if you go back I, on the you YouTube, saw his face, when, yeah. I saw his face, when I saw Randy say it's, Hall of Famer, it's not like I didn't doubt it as soon as Randy said it. And then you look at see. And I just like I knew he knew. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, know, you can go see on the YouTube and see us on the, the studio camps, Airline Studio Camps. I see that moment. Yeah, had a rough Wednesday night. Yeah. We have our uh, Airline Team Studio Cam. You can go to YouTube and check us out at 101 ESPN <laughs> See the fear. And oh, by the way, if you uh, go and watch us, you might as well just subscribe to the channel. And Brooke is going to have on Sunday night on mm-hmm. the 101 on Sports on the Two Fox. Who do you got? I have Marco Scandella. And I have Sammy Blay. So Sammy Blay, we're talking about him and how things went with him. The Rangers, not so well, but getting a fresh start back here in St. Louis and how much he wants to stay in St. Louis. And then with Marco Scandella, just kind of talking about the changes defensively. He's also paired with Tyler Tucker, CD's favorite. And he talks about Tyler Tucker a lot. So it was two great interviews. And we have the one with Richie Palacios up on YouTube. He has a great story. Yes, that's up right now. A great story about how Adam Wainwright was the first person in the Cardinals 
clubhouse to approach him and gave him some words of wisdom that he's going to keep with with him for the rest of his career. That's cool. Have you heard the story? Chris Long tells a story about how when he walked into the Patriots locker room, Brady was the first guy introduced himself. Hey, Tom Brady. Chris says, I know who you are, dude. <laughs> but Brady apparently did that for everybody. Yeah. Did it for James yeah. Harrison when mm-hmm. he walked in. Yeah. Which must have been very difficult for both of them. <laughs> right? Maybe a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Coming up, Mizzou is a seven-point favorite over South Carolina. What will it take for Mizzou to come away with a victory? And have has have the Tigers played their best game yet? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. And he will donate $20 to Mizzou's preferred NIL on your behalf. CarltonInsurance.net. Hey, Mizzou's got the 2.30 game on Saturday on SEC Network. Yeah. Uh, Mizzou and South Carolina, the Gamecocks come in at 2-4, and 1-3 and three in the conference. Mizzou 6-1, and 2-1 and one in the SEC. Missouri is a seven-point favorite. The over-under for this game is 60, and Mizzou has lost a game. The one game that they did lose was a game they probably should have won against LSU. Even in their other games, though, in the six victories, it doesn't appear as if they've played their best game. Eli Drinkwitz talked about being 6-1 and one without playing a complete game yet. Yeah, I'd agree. I think, um, you know, and it's hard to play a complete game. I mean, I think back to my head coaching career, I can think of maybe two or three where a team completely played complete for four quarters. There's always going to be ebbs and flows and ups and downs. Um, but I do think that there's still a significant amount of improvement that we can make as a football team. And I think, you know, one of the things that Coach Malzahn used to always preach when, it, when I was with him is, uh, great teams get better every week. They find a way to get better every week. And, you know, I think, um, you know, we're in the middle of that part of the season where you can either choose to be tired and choose to let the grind get to your mind or you can choose to improve. And that has to be a choice. And I can say it all I want, but we have to choose it as a team, starting with Toughness Tuesday. we got to choose to go out there and practice the right way. You know, winning doesn't negotiate. I mean, it costs what it costs to win football games. And, you know, we got to pay the price. If you are a team, and not just with a good head coach, but with a good staff, you are capable of getting better every single week. Not every team is going to get better every week because some teams just stay static because they don't have a great staff. But And I don't know about Mizzou's staff. I know Blake Baker and the defensive staff are really solid. There's just an unknown about the offensive staff, but it does appear as if they're getting better. And you just look at some of the individuals, Schrader better than he's ever been, Cook is better than he's ever been, Burden's better than he's ever been, and the offensive line is playing at a level now that has not been seen under Eli Drinkwitz at Mizzou. This is, for me, when he talks about you know the grind of the season, week seven, week eight, the, the, the middle of it is when guys start letting their mind kind of go awry, go crazy, start to think about the pain that you're in as opposed to the, the the opponent that you have to face, the amount of work that you have to continue to do. It's important. You have to take care of your body, especially the, the later on it gets in the season because you do become fatigued both mentally and physically. But for me, this is probably, to, the, to date, and people will probably think this is crazy, this is their most important game. Mm-hmm. And the reason being is, 
not because of, you know, anything else. It's because of who they play next week. This is a trap game for Missouri. And if you don't lock in, if you don't pay attention to the entire, uh, you know, the game report, the <clears throat> the game plan, and understand what you have to do, what you're facing, South Carolina at 2-4, and four, they can come in here and beat you. So this is a trap game for Missouri because you play Georgia next week. So your typical mindset is, oh, they're 2-4, and four, they're not that good, we got bigger fish to fry next week. You need to be dialed in, and if not, you could take a terrible loss to a team that you should not lose to. So this this game right here is the most important of the season for them. Exactly. I think on paper, this is a game that Mizzou should easily win, especially if you look at South Carolina and their game against the Gators. They gave up a career-high 423 passing yards. Yes. They got eight up. Go, Gators. They got eight up in that one and so <laughs> I I just I think that this like you're saying CD could possibly be a trap game but I think for Mizzou this is just another opportunity to try some things out before you face Georgia and sometimes I like to kind of read and what the other team is saying mm-hmm. and they are very focused on Luther Burn, which everybody is of course but specifically Beamer talked about just the way that Luther Burden, and you saw this even in his high school days at East St. Louis. That was one of the first things that stood out to me when watching him is that you really don't have to like give him much. You can just chuck it to him. And the way that he is able to really make guys miss tackles and turn it into a bigger play is so unique and why he is one of the best receivers right now in the SEC. And so we talked specifically a lot about how they're, you're not going to be able to play man coverage and they're really going to have to mix up their coverages. But if you're Mizzou, if you're Luther Burden and you're Brady Cook and you see that they gave up a career high 423 passing yards you got to be chomping at the bit at this at this game in this situation that you'll be able to show off some even more explosive plays and hopefully they can do that early because last week obviously they fell behind 14 to nothing they'd only run seven plays before Drinkwitz got aggressive and called for the fake punt that changed the game I mean, I know I've said this phrase before I, I'd heard a long time ago you know we want to attack success we don't want to fear failure and you know in those situations you got to be willing to attack it knowing that um you give it your best shot and, and sometimes it's going to work and sometimes it's not and you don't you're not afraid of whatever the result's going to be and in that game in that situation we know we had scouted the situation we know we practiced it well and and we knew we needed a spark and you know our guys stepped up and delivered at at this moment in our program you know we're going to choose to believe in our players and let those guys go make plays and um the result's not the result. I'm more than happy to blame myself. And when it is what it is, then we're going to shower those guys with the plays. We're just we're going to attack success here. If you're even with the other team and you can steal momentum and steal uh, possession, you do that. If you aren't as good as the other team against Georgia, you run a fake punt, fake field goal. That might be what you have to do to win the game. Right. I don't think in this game that 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 this game should not be a game where you need to run t- trick plays. You shouldn't, uh, and and I, I want to correct something. They don't play Georgia next week. They actually have a bye, but mm-hmm. it still can be a but trap still, game because you're yeah. still locked Georgia's in next. on Georgia is next, but you're still trying to get to the bye week. So you still have an opportunity. You have this is one of their most important games. You need to win this game to go into the bye to have two weeks to prepare for Georgia. If you are running fake punts, if you are running trick plays against a South Carolina team that is really not that good of a team as they as they have been in years past, you're probably in, in for some trouble. But they shouldn't have an issue with this team. They should take care of their business. And again, get to the bye week. Have yourself an opportunity to rest, recover, and really lock in for what Georgia will bring in the next couple of weeks. I agree. I mean, that's the thing is that it's even more of a trap game, essentially, because sometimes that bye week, 
can come at a good time or a bad time. Good time because you get to rest up a little bit, but almost if you're building up that momentum and then you have to stop and you have a huge game like Georgia like that right afterwards, it's almost like you kind of wish it would be. There wasn't a bye week in between that. It's actually really good for them if they take care of their business this weekend. Now, if you, again, are are not dialed in, not locked in, come in and and are lethargic and moving slow and thinking that South Carolina is just going to lay down because you're – 20th in the nation and you're at home and and they aren't then you're going to be it's going to be a problem for you but the the good part about it is if you do have that bye week having a week off before you play the number 1 team in the country having 2 weeks to prepare for the number 1 team in the country helps you but again that shouldn't be the focus. South Carolina no. needs to be the main focal point for this team. And if they aren't, you'll know early if they are looking to the bye week or looking forward to Georgia or really feeling themselves and saying, hey, we are who we are, they're not. You'll know early on in that game if it's really moving not in the pace that you're accustomed to seeing Mizzou Tigers. And Mizzou will have their hands full with their pass defense. South Carolina is 13th in the country, averaging 312 yards a game through the air. So that'll be a big part of this game as well. That's Brooke. That's Kerry. I'm Randy. Coming up, our Rush Hour reset. The Houston Astros have cut their deficit against Texas in half in the ALCS. That and more coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're recapping the biggest sports stories of the day on the opening drive with a rush hour reset. Nine oh four in St. Louis. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. You can check us out on the interwebs. Our YouTube channel is at one hundred one ESPN STL, and you can watch on our Air Alliance Team Studio Cam. You can watch us right now. As a matter of fact, Brooke, Kerry, and Randy, great to have you with us. Blues in action tonight against Arizona. Six o'clock pregame with Joey Vitale and Alex Ferrario, and then seven o'clock with the faceoff. And also tonight, you've got multiple baseball games. After last night, Houston knocked off Texas by a score of 8-5. to five. It was a 3 nothing lead for Houston in the third inning when Jose Altuve gave them a little bit more cushion. On this one, two, it is a fastball that he hammers to left center field. It is gone! Jose Altuve finds it. His first hit of the championship series leads the yard. 8-5 was the final. The Astros were never headed after that. Christian Javier, five and two-thirds. He allows two runs on three hits, struck out three, and walked one. Then Neris Abreu and Presley came on. Presley, man, he's been fantastic as the Astros' closer for a couple of years now. He gets his third save of the postseason. Max Scherzer allows five runs on five hits over four innings for the Rangers, who now lead that series two games to one earlier today. Here on 101 ESPN, Greg Amzinger said that he believes it's going to be Philadelphia and Texas for the World Series. Mm. I'm for that, too. But the way that the Astros were able to break through in that game last night, it's what you were expecting, right? And I know that we talk about the opening drive bump. I accidentally might have done the bump in the wrong way because remember I said the other day, I was like, I want to see them lose to see how they respond. Well. Uh, I (laughs) got my wish. (laughs) I wasn't expecting that with Max Scherzer um, and the Rangers in general. But I think it will be important, though, to see how the Rangers respond to this. Because, I mean, the Astros have the momentum now. The way that Mm -hmm. they were able to dominate, and they've been dominant in there as well. It's something about the Astros on the road that they've actually done really well this season. And they're 7-1 in Arlington, including this postseason right now. Yeah, they, they seem to be playing better on the road, the, the Astros are, and they 
seemed more comfortable. I think I said it. I thought that this was going to be a series that, you know, goes six or seven games. I think the Astros still come back and win this. Losing those two games at home was rough for them, but they feel and seem more comfortable playing in Texas, playing in Arlington than they were at, at home the last couple of games. So, you know, that lineup is hard to, to, to stop for the Astros. So I think that they're going to turn this thing around. I predicted, I, I picked them to be in the World Series along with the, the Philadelphia Phillies. So I'm not going to back away from that that. Prediction. Game four tonight, 7 o'clock, that one on FS1, the American League. National League resumes this afternoon at 4.07 on TBS. The Phillies pitching Ranger Suarez against Brandon Fott of the Diamondbacks. And uh, that, again, 4.07 on on uh, TBS. It's not an exceptionally clever joke, but it gets me every freaking time to do it. Brain fire. Glad, glad you like it. Uh, also, Thursday Night Football tonight on Amazon. Uh, Amazon Prime. Who doesn't have Amazon Prime? Uh, Jaguars and Saints. Oh, goodness. Can we get a game, man, on a Thursday night? <laughs> oh, this is going to be nope. probably, he, he, Maybe he's playing. Maybe he ain't. The, the the New Orleans Saints, I don't know what they're doing offensively. They're, they're averaging a whopping about 13, 16 points a game. It, it's thrilling yeah. watching the Saints play football. Not really. By the way, we neglected to... Uh, I, I get a hint of sarcasm. A little bit. <laughs> need to go back to baseball because the Gold Glove finalists were announced yesterday. Yeah, and uh, as the headline of The Athletic said, uh, no Nolan Arenado for the first time in 10 years. Doesn't deserve it. I, so yeah. I think the first half, well, not even the first half, because he was still an all-star, correct? Yeah, but he wasn't playing well. He, but yes. he was playing, I think the first third of the season, he definitely didn't deserve it. But we saw some plays from that point on, a little bit before the all-star break until the end of the season where he was playing extremely well. Mm-hmm. I think that just the beginning of that season, you know, didn't go well for him in terms of how well he was playing in the field, which is why he's not go-go finals. And I feel like he would probably agree. He would say the same thing. Mm-hmm. It seemed like he was very frustrated and was honest about his performance this season. So he would agree. It just shows how dominant that he has been and how he is going to be a future Hall of Famer. And when you see that, when it's the first time in 10 years, it makes you realize even more how just bad the Cardinals defense was this season, where Tommy Edmond is the only one to be a Gold Glove finalist utility player. He's the only one, and he's the only one that deserved it, honestly, just because he was able to really maneuver into so many different positions and situations. Was it two years ago that they had five gold glovers? Uh, yes. And now yes. they have one finalist. One. By the way, Manny Machado, also not a gold glove finalist at third base for the National League. The three are Key Brian Hayes of Pittsburgh, Ryan McMahon of Colorado, who replaced Nolan Arenado there, and Austin Riley, no Paul Goldschmidt, Freeman, Carlos Santana, and Christian Walker. Uh, at second base, Nico Horner of the Cubs, Hassan Kim of San Diego, and Bryson Stott of Philly. Shortstop finalists are Francisco Lindor, Dansby Swanson, and Ezekiel Tovar of Colorado. In left field, Ian Happ, David Peralta, Eddie Rosario. Center field, it's Brenton Doyle, Michael Harris II, and Alec Thomas. And then in right, Mookie Betts, Fernando Tatis Jr., kind of a surprise, and Lane Thomas. Behind the plate, no Wilson Contreras. Uh, Patrick Bailey, Gabriel Moreno. Why, why are you looking at me that way? Because and JT uh, Real Muto. Well, playing, I mean, he, he wasn't the yeah, he wasn't the catcher, for, the catcher a bit there. for a while. Oh, okay. <laughs> but you get you get number four back in the fold. You Wilson. Then all of a sudden, everything Gold changes. Gold Glove finalist. Yeah. All star. Tonight, when the Blues play, the Hall of Fame class of 2024 will be revealed, and of course, you'll be able to hear that tonight here on 101 ESPN uh, during our broadcast with. 
Alex and, and Joey, and then Curbs and Joey will have the call. Bless you. Uh, and so we we Thank we, you. we still sneeze. We're, we're on live yeah. radio. We, it doesn't things mean, happen. Yeah, yeah. yawn, <laughs> sneeze. You know. Sometimes I accidentally hit the wrong button, and I'm sneezing and coughing in Rock's ear. I'm like whoopsies. The right button makes you cough in Ryder's ear. So I mean, it's just whoopsies. Picture poison. I'm in That's, Ryder's ear. Did we come up with a nickname that we liked for the Italian show? I think the Italian guy in the room thought of one that he or I hate myself because I came up with two that are they're dumb they're terrible and I hate myself but I actually kind of like that first of all the first one's going to be Gabagool um, and the second one's going to be Recapper Cola. You gave me so much crap for saying the Gabagool. I can say it. The Gabagool. I can say it, Brooks. <laughs> and then the other one. The I'm other sure one I was, have some Italian in me a little one, bit. Little you know, I don't know. Yeah. I feel like everybody says that they're Italian. And the other one is like pasta. Uh, for, the, for the post game, we just call it the Blues Recapper Cola. Recap Ricola. Okay, that's good. Okay. And uh, we, uh, I don't know if I'm opening a, a fight door here or not, but I'm going to do it anyway. Congratulations to the Vegas Aces last yeah. night. Uh, yeah. Oh, win yeah. the WNBA <laughs> championship yes. over the New York Liberty. Yes. Uh, he, back featuring, to back championship. Yeah, Rebe- Rebecca go. Lobo, <laughs> and congratulations <laughs> to... Uh, yeah. Sh- congratulations <laughs> to Sue Bird. No, 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 no. Congratulations no. to. Uh, I should have replaced uh, uh, that with I should have given you and John one question, which was who won the final, the WNBA Finals MVP last night? Hmm. Congratulations to Lisa Leslie. <laughs> She's no, retired. Not, you retired a long Cheryl time Soops, ago. All of them. Maya Moore. Maya Moore put together one heck of a game, though. Right? Right? Maya Moore. Maya Moore. No. no oh. No. Her yeah. cousin actually coached with me. Oh, he, really? He, cousin, yeah. She's from. Wh- I, I think she may have moved to St. Louis. She, she? she might be listening right now. Yeah, really? Uh, but congratulations to Aya Wilson, who won the uh, final MVP. Aha. Aha. It does kind of look like that. Who won the final MVP? Wilson. It's A apostrophe J. It's Asia Wilson. Okay. She's been dominating. Candace Parker was on the roster. She got her third championship. I was aware of that. There you go. Former Chicago. Yep. Sky? Yep. Wow. Connecticut Sun? Is that who they Is that who that just LA Sparks? They played the Liberty, New York Liberty. That's why I brought up Rebecca Lobo. Oh, Sabrina Ionescu. Yeah, there you go. Yes. Oregon. We know. We know. Via we're radio. We're the experts here. We, uh, you, now on, Brooke, now are you going to play? Yeah. No, somebody <laughs> said that something's not Italian. I'm trying to figure out what they're talking about. Okay. If they're talking about the Gabagool, Gabagool. then I don't know. I don't know what they're Coming up here on 101 ESPN, we're going to talk some blues hockey with our buddy, our blues insider from The Athletic, Jeremy Rutherford, next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for the Rutherford Report with our Blues Insider, Jeremy Rutherford. Brought to you by Scott Lee Heating Company, a proud Mitsubishi Electric Elite Contractor. One, two, three, four. Is Jeremy Rutherford is with us now on the on the uh, studio line? Good to have you, Jr. With us on 101 ESPN. Jr., how are you doing this morning? Uh, doing great, doing great. But I went to the uh, 101 website to see who uh, won the fight. They've got the list up there usually, and today it said, uh, "Man, today it said 
Today it said no winner. I Damn. didn't know what happened. TBD. <laughs> it was pretty TBD. bad. TBD. It was a... <laughs> He had a little issue there, yeah. uh, Jr. I don't know if you were listening. This is not, by the way, a Kansas <laughs> vacated sort of situation. Uh, Jr. usually gets me on the phone when I call him with those jokes if, the, if something happens during the fight, and he saved this one. And he, thank I, you. I thought I was going to get get it by him, and because he, he didn't say anything, then he gets me on the uh, air. We appreciate it. Yeah, I would have died with a WNBA uh, question, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jeremy, you have an article right now about this, and I was texting with you about it yesterday, the whole dalibor Dvorsky situation. Can you explain exactly what's going on there? Because he only played 10 games over there, and now he's coming back. Is this a positive or a negative situation? I think it's a positive. It's a situation where when these Europeans are drafted by NHL teams at 18 years old, you know, typically they're going to stay in Europe one, two, maybe three years. For a high pick like Dvorsky, it might just be one year. But before he was drafted by the Blues in June, he decided that he was going to play in the top-level uh, league in Sweden instead of playing in the second league, which is where he played last year. So he, he tried to make the jump to that top league, play there. But this is a league where it's men. The average age, I think, on that team is 27 years old. You know, they're playing to win. If they don't win, they get relegated. They go down the division. And so this team wanted to win. It wasn't working out between Dvorsky and, and the team in terms of his uh, development and playing time. And so the Blues saw a situation where they could take him, Brooke, and move him to Canada, play in the uh, Junior Hockey League uh, with, uh, with Sudbury. And now I think he's going to get that ice time, get that development, play in all those roles. So I think this is a positive. You look at it and you don't not quite sure what this all means, but it's a positive in terms of his player development. JR, when you're looking at this Blues team, they won and won, obviously won one in overtime, lost one in overtime. What is the most glaring concern that you may have? It's only two games in, but what would you say is the one issue that needs to be resolved? Yeah, I mean, you could say the power play. I think that's the the easy way out. Of course, that needs to be fixed. And, you know, that's going to go through cycles throughout the year. And they need to get it going for sure. But I would say the offense in general, and that kind of includes the power play. Uh, I think that when I talked to Craig Bruby, I said, hey, is there so much focus on the D that it's kind of limiting the offense right now? The offense will come, but right now guys are so focused in the defensive zone. And he said, no, not really. And, you know, after, after I listened to his answer, you kind of agree with him that uh, they get into the offensive zone. They have chances to set up and create and get some zone time, but just that the passing is off or they're missing on shots. Uh, there, there's not a lot of chemistry with any of the lines right now in the offensive zone. So to me, that's the biggest concern after two games. Jeremy, I want to ask about the piece that you did regarding the, the defensive system. I thought that the quote from Colton Pareko, and I don't know if uh, if it means anything or not, but I thought it was interesting. Colton told you, we're adapting to a new system. Well, guys are in their spots and guys have bought in. Should we take out of that that guys maybe didn't buy into last year's system? Yeah, it's a fair question. Uh, you know, that buy-in comes up every single year. Is the team buying in? Is this group buying in? You know, the coach is saying the players aren't buying in. In that case, again, I can't stress enough, it's a, it's a fair question. But I think that's, that's just a phrase that probably rolled off of Colton's tongue, you know, answering the question. And he's trying to talk about what guys are doing. And he's trying to give guys credit for playing the system. And he's saying that they're buying in. I think if we had him, you know, uh, taking a lie detector test there, I don't think that he would be implying that they weren't buying in last year. Now we can all say that they weren't, and there's probably some players on the team that believe that they weren't. 
Uh, but I think that in this situation, he's talking about, hey, get a new system. And uh, guys are willing to block shots. Craig Burby said the other day, you guys saw it, he wants them to block more shots. But I think for the most part, we've seen these guys step up and, and want to play the system that the coaches have installed. And JR, for those that don't subscribe to The Athletic, they should. I love the way you use video to teach us about the new defensive system. And it really does paint the picture in a different light for me as somebody who didn't play the sport. And I really do appreciate the, the photos and the video that you use to help us learn about this new system. Yeah, thanks for saying that. And one thing that I, I try to say, you know, you don't have this communication with all the people who are reading it, but you have this opportunity here with you is, uh, you know, when you're cutting these clips and you're cutting a clip of a good block or a good back check or, you know, a guy's playing physical in front of the net, we all know what that looks like. And I don't think that even hockey fans need to see a replay of a guy being physical in front of the net. But I think what those clips allow is to reinforce and show you, hey, I know you watch the game. But here's three or four or five video clips that I can re-show you, you can watch, and it just points out what the Blues are doing different. So that's why I think those clips are valuable. Jordan Bennington obviously has looked really good so far this season, and hopefully that will continue. What is the biggest differences that you've noticed with him? And of course, this is such a smaller sample size, just two games into the season. But what differences have you noticed from him early on? Yeah, he's really dialed in, which I think he's been dialed in in the past. I think Jordan Bennington... And I heard uh, Bernie Federico say it earlier, you know, just such a competitor. Uh, I, I haven't talked to Jordan Biddington about this, but I'm, I'm just trying to, to read his mind. You know, he doesn't want to be in a situation, nor does anybody, but especially Jordan Biddington, where they're, you know, 3-8-3 and three after the first stretch of the season. Like he's saying, okay, from day one, practice one, game one, I'm going to be locked in and I'm going to give our team the best chance to win. And again, everybody's doing that. But, but he's really playing well. And I think that uh, he's kind of, you talk about adapting to the system. He's adapting to the system. I think he likes the coverage in front. I have talked to him about that. He said guys are, you know, playing it to a tee. Guys are sacrificing their body. And these long shots, now look, some of these long shots are going to get tipped, deflected, get past Jordan Bennington. It's going to happen. But for the most part, they've been allowing him to see these shots and get in front of them. So he's playing really, really well. And if you had to talk to him about it, I would think that he doesn't want this team to get off to a bad start and see some of that stuff pop up that we saw last year. JR, two of my favorite players are younger guys, Torpchenko and, and Tyler Tucker. Tucker obviously scored the first goal of the season. Torpchenko being moved up to the second line. What have you seen from those young guys so far this season? And, and Torpchenko playing on that second line, what can that do for him uh, for this Blues for that second line? Yeah, really good. And, and I think uh, Torpchenko, Craig Bruby said, earned it. He deserved to go up on that second line with, uh, with uh, Braden Shen and Kasperi Kapanen, and, and I agree. I mean, you can make the case, hey, you got a young guy and, and Jake Neighbors, he's got some upside, he's got some middle six ability. Why not give him a shot there? Well, guess what? Torpchenko's skating his butt off. He's in the right place. You know, that's the one thing, Gary, that Craig Bruby keeps saying about Torpchenko is he gets to the spot on time, and that's such a big thing in hockey. He's, he's in the spot, laying hits. Uh, and I think that he deserved it. Speaking of those video clips, Randy, that, that video clip of Torpchenko skating back from the offensive zone all the way to the defensive zone to break up that pass that could have been a goal by Jaden Schwartz. So he's played great. I think he'll be there until we see Buchnevich back. And then with Tyler Tucker, yeah, he's playing physical and, he, and he's doing a lot of the things that we've seen from uh, Robert Bortuzzo the past couple of years. It's like a changing of the guard here, I think, with Tyler Tucker uh, getting in there. And by the way, yesterday I was sitting at uh, Scott Prinovich's locker stall and Tucker walked by and he said, hey, Tuck, it's about time for a haircut, buddy, don't you think? So it uh, <laughs> looks like 
Tucker's starting to uh, to look the role too here. Hey, Jr. Before we let you go, the Blues are going to unveil the names in their 2024 Hall of Fame class tonight. I, for me, I will be disappointed if Mike Leute doesn't make it. Do you have somebody where you say, "Man, I I really hope," and I. I all of us would love to see Keith Kachuk be elected as well. But is there somebody for you that you would like to see more than the other guys? Yeah, I think that uh, Mike is definitely one of those guys. I deal with him on a regular basis. Uh, as Bernie mentioned, he's the agent for Jordan Bennington, so I see Mike uh, quite a bit. He was here recently in town. Um, the five guys that I voted for, I'll just give them to you here. Lynn Patrick, he was here from day one. Um, I don't know that he'll have much of a chance, but he's the guy that brought in a Scotty Bowman and kind of got things rolling from day one. Emil Francis, general manager uh, that we know for a long time and, and brought in the, those players, Bernie Federico, Brian Sutter, uh, Mike Liute, that were so key to that success in the uh, early 80s. And then Keith Kachuk and Pavel Dimitra round out my uh, top five here. Kachuk, for obvious reasons. And Dimitra, I know Blues fans realize he was a great player for St. Louis, but go back and look at the offensive statistical categories. Goals, assists, he's eighth in both, and points, he's seventh. He's right there in the top ten in all three categories. Pavel Dimitri are really deserving, but we'll find out tonight uh, sometime in that first period. But Mike, you're right, would probably be that guy that I think he's a shoe-in and should be in in the second class. And I will give you, since you gave us uh, your votes, I'll give you mine. Players, Liu was number one, Kachuk was two. Oates, Steen, and Demetra, and my builders were Emil Francis, Susie Matthew, and Ron Caron. Yeah, yep. Definitely Susie Matthew. You could write a book about her and what she did for this organization. No doubt. JR, we love your work at The Athletic, and we love that you join us every Thursday here on the opening drive. Thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it, and we'll see you soon. Thanks, guys. See you later. Jeremy Rutherford, our Blues Insider from The Athletic on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got NFL news and notes. A lot of things going on, including a game tonight. The Saints and the Jags. Will the Jaguars quarterback play? We'll tell you next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Some newsy things from around the NFL tonight. You've got the Jags and the Saints. And Adam Schefter is reporting that the Jaguars Jags are going to work out Trevor Lawrence before the game to determine whether or not he can play against the Saints with his knee sprain. How does it feel now for the quarterback? For Trevor Lawrence of the Jacksonville Jaguars? Short week anyway, so physically we're not doing much. You know, you're trying to get your bodies back ready for Sunday, regardless of if there's an injury or not. Hasn't affected me a ton because we just haven't done too much. Feel a lot better today than I would have thought, so I like how I'm progressing, and you know, I'm going to do everything I can to, to be out there on Thursday. So they're going to try to work him out tonight before the game. If Lawrence can't go, C.J. Beathard will be the Jaguars quarterback. Oh, 49ers quarterback, mm-hmm. right? Oh, Iowa quarterback, eh? Yeah. Good luck I to those I think Bobby guys. Beathard's relative somehow. Former oh, yeah. GM. You know, um, playing on a short week is hard. It's, it's even harder when your quarterback is unhealthy and he's mm-hmm. got a got a little banged up knee. It's, uh, I don't know. But they're playing the Saints, and the Saints don't like to score <laughs> points. So, therefore, you know, anything is possible. This is I had Thursday Night Football. Amazon Prime has gotten the short end of the stick. Yeah, they have. Like, year, <laughs> this is a lot the of second money. year in a row that we have been subjected to watch teams that no one really cares to watch. No. And so – you know, it just it, it's part of of what we have to deal with. But again, if if Trevor Lawrence is not playing and you have to watch C.J. Beathard, 
man the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars. Good luck. No, that's I. Jeff Bezos has to be like, we got to figure something Come out on. here. Come what on. is happening Give me a team. here? Give me something. I, I'm making all this money. Can we like figure out some way to make this more exciting? Yeah. Because like you said, the Saints with Alvin Kamara back, I was expecting a lot more mm-hmm. offensively too. from them. They so Alvin Kamara. They haven't been the same. <laughs> yeah. I mean, since Sean Payton left, that offense hasn't just really taken off in the manner in which it, it did when he was there. And so Dennis Allen, you know, probably a good guy, but. Probably shouldn't be a coach in the NFL right now. No. By the way, it really isn't as bad as the games are. Their first game was Vikings-Eagles, 34-28, Eagles won. Second game, the Giants were a playoff team last year. The Niners over the Giants, 30-12. But that's not a bad matchup going into the season. Third game, Lions and Packers, it was 34-20. And that was good with Aaron Rodgers last year, right? The the fourth game, Bears and Commanders, that, that was going to be bad. But then the Broncos and Chiefs, you figured Denver would be a little better. That was better. terrible. But going Going into the season, you're Sean Payton taking over oh, Denver. You would have yeah. hoped. Yeah. And it looks the same. The defense actually got worse. And then after tonight, <laughs> you've got Somehow. Bucks and Bills in uh, week eight. That's not bad. Titans and Steelers in week nine. Mm, that's pretty that's even great. matchup, unfortunately, for you two. Uh, the Bears are back at it. Oh, 0 oh 6 Panthers against 1 and 5 Bears in week 10. Yikes. That's the top that's two. That's beautiful. T- top two picks in the draft right now. <laughs> It's uh, a beauty. But then week 11, Bengals and Ravens. Week 12, Dolphins and Jets. Week 13, Seahawks and Cowboys. Cowboys are always good for TV. Week 14, Patriots and Steelers. Oh, we got two Thursday night games, eh? Yeah. There you go. Week 15, Chargers that? and Raiders. <laughs> How about that? Uh, 16, Saints and Rams. And then week 17, Jets and Browns, they really missed out on Aaron Rodgers. Meanwhile, speaking of the Raiders, Devontae Adams, who used to get thrown the ball all the time when Aaron Rodgers was his quarterback, well, he's not being thrown the ball as much with Jimmy G and anybody else who happens to be playing quarterback for the Raiders these days. And as you might guess, Devontae Adams not too happy about it. I mean, it's a work in progress. Obviously, we're going to continue to work through it. But, I mean, I'm a human being, and I have extremely high standards for myself and this offense. So, it's, to me, it's not just about, you know, I'm sure people thinking like, you know, well, they won the game, they won the Packers game, you know, why is there an issue? I mean, you see why it's an issue. You, you know, y'all should know who I am, know what I'm about at this point. So it's not about, you know, when, when, you're, a, when you're a player like me, mentally, it's, the, my benchmark is not wins and losses, it's greatness. So when I go out there, I expect to be able to have that ability to put that on tape and have the, uh, an influence on the game. And that's, like I say every week, that's my purpose for being here. I'm not here just to hang out and, you know, like I said, come here to hang out with Derek and all of that stuff from last year. Came here to win and to to do it the right way. So if, I mean, if it don't look like it's supposed to look, then, I mean, I'm going to be frustrated if I'm not a part of that, that plan. Did he say his benchmark isn't wins and losses? <laughs> he did. I, I kind of cringed <laughs> just a little bit when I heard that. That's not, I mean, I understand what he meant, but at the end of the day, the you, wins and losses matter. You want to win games, and that's a big game for them. The Patriots think they, they're 1-5. and five. The Raiders are 3-3. Three and three. You've won a couple in a row. But he wants the football. And this is, even at 3-3, three and three, you know, I agree to a degree. They don't have a team that is a championship team. They don't have a team that's going to make it out of the AFC uh, West. They they are. They might finish third in that division and probably won't make the playoffs because they're not really a good team. And that's not what he signed up for. He signed up to be play, to play with his good friend and Derek Carr. They shipped him out, and now they have Jimmy Garoppolo who can't stay healthy. But we've seen this story time and time again. Brian Hoyer is his backup. So he, he yeah. 
And he only had five targets, two catches in that game versus the Patriots. He's probably extremely frustrated. So is he basically just saying, move me, trade me? Uh, is that probably. what he's trying to that signal like it? It almost feels NBA-esque mm-hmm. where you have the players kind of speaking out saying, this is what I don't like. Somebody please get me out of here, the, essentially. The main issue is the team that could use him most is in his division and they won't trade him there. They wouldn't trade him to the to the to the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs no. are scuffling trying to find anybody to catch passes mm-hmm. other than Travis Kelsey. Rasheed Rice is doing good. They just traded, as you said, for McCole Hardman, who hasn't done much this year for 28 the Twenty eight snaps for yeah, the it's Jets. It's not not been great for him, but the the Chiefs could use a true number one receiver. They got a number one tight end. They could use a true number one receiver. Um and they would benefit from that, but not gonna happen. No. The Hardman trade, I wouldn't ask you about that, too, because what what does that mean for the Chiefs? Because you let Hardman and Frank Clark leave, and now the report's kind of signaling towards they're going to be coming back here, especially Hardman, but Clark also looks like that possibility, too. Hey, sometimes you uh, sometimes guys go and get paid and want to go get money and don't want to re-sign in certain places for a multitude of reasons. They go elsewhere and they realize, eh, probably had a really good plan for a future Hall of Fame quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. His life was a little bit easier. Winning's nice. Winning is fun. They really expected Sky Moore to ascend this year. And with Tony not being healthy all the time, they just need to be able to plug in a guy. So hopefully for them, what they're hoping is, okay, hopefully on the weeks that Tony is hurt, Hardman will be healthy. And on the weeks that Hardman is hurt, Tony will be healthy. Or go get someone else. Yes. Rasheed Rice, I think, is going to be good. He he's working his way into being a really good receiver. He had like yeah, four yeah. catches last game for like seventy some yards. So I, I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be working his way into you know get him eight to ten targets. You'll be better off than throwing it to anyone other than anyone else other than Kelsey. And then the other note is Deshaun Watson basically saying yesterday that he's not going to start this weekend because of his shoulder. He's been trying to throw, can't make the shoulder work, and there's concern in Cleveland about the viability of Deshaun Watson for the long term now because of the shoulder injury. I wonder if this is something that has been bothering him for a while and that's why he he looks as terrible as as he does. Like he hasn't looked great since he got to Cleveland. Initially it was, oh it's rust, he hadn't played, you know, he 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 hadn't been out there for a while. We assumed that this season he would have shaken the rust off, but even this season it still hasn't looked great. So I wonder if it's something that you know, this is a weird situation because you paid him a lot of money, a lot of guaranteed money, and you know this is going to uh, it's going to be a problem. What, what, yeah, Brooke, <laughs> what are the first steps you take if your shoulders bothering you? No, no. Can he even get those anymore? No, I don't know. He's, Maybe from the team, uh, the, <laughs> the team, the, the team, team, team employed massage therapist. I can't, I can't do it again. There were some, there were some people who liked it, and some people who didn't. I don't want to. You can't please everyone. You know, here. There, there is a, a lot of great massage places. You know, and I'm I'm sure. Oh, there's one in Jupiter that's really really good. That, yeah. I mean, uh, there's some people fly all the way to Jupiter, uh, like how, on a work day. How does that on work? On a work day. How does that yeah. work? Is it, is, it, is it worth it? It's apparently you make, <laughs> provides a, like for a really happy conclusion. Oh, okay, mm. good. Mm. It's good to have a happy ending to all stories. Oh. It's a satisfying trip. <laughs> This is a pretty crafty way to go about explaining this. (laughs) Those are your NFL news and notes on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got rock and roll on the opening drive. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. 
Let's rock. Let's rock today. We also had a good visit with uh, Bernie Federko and Jeremy Rutherford. If you missed anything on the show, what you need to do is check out our podcast on 101ESPN.com or on the 101ESPN app. It's brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. And we're always on the YouTube with our Airlines Team Studio Cam. Just go to YouTube and search us on 101ESPN STL. When you get to the page, we'd appreciate if you would subscribe to us because that way you can watch us every single day. And uh, sometimes people think we're gorgeous. Somebody's been texting and calling me gorgeous. It's really is cool. Is that for you? I think so. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know if that's for you. I, my, my theory <laughs> is that it's not even for any of us because if you kind of look through the string of text messages, it's a little suggestive. But I think that maybe somebody gave him our phone number. And I said, this would be a great thing for girls to do, women to do, don't, is no. to give our text line number to a guy if, if, they, if you don't want to give your number out. And we'll chat with oh, them. It's a good play. That's, that's a really good play. <laughs> or, or vice versa. Or vice versa, you know. <laughs> I like that. The- Equality here. Brilliant. I want to deal with there it, but also go. I think that's that would actually, that would be hilarious. That would be, hilarious. That would be objectively I, hilarious. I love looking at this. Until we, Good morning, uh, gorgeous. Yeah. The, 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 really the awake little girl is where I'm. Ah! I'm disturbed. Kind of creepy. Yeah. yeah. Not gonna lie. And then there's just a random knock knock. Who's there? Mm. <laughs> and don't want to know. Do I don't not want, open that door. That door is locked, <laughs> deadbolt. So there's not a part of this that doesn't creep me out right now. Yeah. Mm. All right, Matthew, what do you got for us? Well, speaking of odd comments, Sam Pittman, <laughs> head coach for Arkansas, he's having a rough day because, well, he almost had Alabama dead to rights, but uh, just couldn't call fourth down correctly for the absolute life of him the entire T of Saturday. And so he's having a rough day and, and, and he's doubling down because he's in a lull right now where he can't really talk to his recruits. And that's a problem in his opinion. He he uh, was talking to the Arkansas press and he, and he, and he kind of laid out why he's having so much trouble and what it's like to have to go through these kind of troubles when you just can't talk to your big time recruits for a long time. It says something about the relationship building type guys and the belief in the coaches that we've been able to keep these guys. Because let's face the facts, in order to keep your girlfriend and you don't see her for five weeks and she's had a chance to see this guy, this guy, this guy, she going to leave you. I mean, unless you're, you know, you know, whoever, Elvis Presley or whoever. <laughs> Yeah. So that's the problem. You know, as the kids like to reference Elvis Presley. Like that's the problem, guys. If you can't talk to your recruits in order to keep your girlfriend and you don't see her for five weeks, she's had a chance to see this guy and this guy. She's going to leave you. Unless you're Elvis Presley. How old is Sam Pittman? <laughs> <laughs> you think how many of those kids were like, who the hell And he took Elvis time to think Presley? about it, too. Oh, he did. Like, and he was like, he was like um, Sam Pittman okay, who's is the most 61. Brad Pitt would have been, <laughs> been much better. Yeah, I mean, Sam Pittman He's like, fine at his he's age. like Elvis Presley's still around. I can reference that, <laughs> he's, right? He's, he's on an island with Tupac. It's fine. Tupac. It's, I saw the video. It's the same Don't age tell as me. I'm wrong. 61. He's I feel 61. horrible now. <laughs> <laughs> Another name. <laughs> Elvis Presley. First thing popped in the mind. That was, a, that was a great moment. Can I just tell you, so when I was in Arkansas covering the Razorbacks, I was there for the Brett Bielma era, the end of the Brett Bielma era and that firing, and that was 
something. And then I was there for the beginning of the Chad Morris era, which do you guys remember Chad Morris? I don't even know who that is. Uh, he was a genius before exactly. he showed up. And, 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 uh, yeah, so the Chad Morris era was interesting, and he kind of did the same thing. I don't know what his age was, but he looked older to me, but then he kind of dressed like a young person did, and so that always threw me off. Um, and then they got rid of Chad Morris for obvious reasons, because Arkansas did bad, and it was kind of a competition between Sam Pittman and Eli Drinkwitz was another name brought up. Eli Drinkwitz from Arkansas, and Arkansas got Sam Pittman, and a lot of people like that at first in Arkansas. Now, I notice a lot of fans, Razorback fans, wish that they would have gotten Eli Drinkwitz and are upset that they weren't able to get him to stay in his home state. Coaching, oh, how the tables have turned. Coaching yeah. college football is a difficult task, and yeah, I have heard coaches say recruiting is like... <clears throat> Dating to a degree, you have to court these young players. Unless you're Elvis sure, Presley, unless you're yeah. Elvis, then they just. I, I would assume Elvis is Alabama or Georgia. Like is that is that, yeah, is that you know, unless so. you're you're him, uh, them. You don't have to worry about it. Your your date can go wherever they want to and come on back. But yeah, it is a it's a difficult task trying to win week in and week out. <laughs> In college football, I mean, you got guys that are. Mm-hmm. You heard who was it last week? They complained. Was it was it Kentucky? Yeah, Kentucky's coach about mm-hmm. you. You want us to play yeah, better? We need to buy. Yeah. We need to buy yeah. some guys. We yeah. Yeah. Pony up, yeah. <laughs> pony up. Yeah. Who's by the way? Who? If Sam Pittman had time to think about this, <laughs> who is the it guy? Can you go wrong? Ooh, Leo. I mean. No, no. Are, we are. What, how, what are you talking about, Brooke? It's Leo, you're stop. Thirty, thirty-one. Yes. Oh, okay. You don't have to put my age out there. Like, Wouldn't no. it be? I'm in my twenties. Is, is could, would George Clooney play? <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, no. For so Brad Pitt's like about the same age as Clooney is. What's no. the um? What is Who's the guy's the name guy? that I'm thinking? Yeah. If you can't think of his name, he's not the it guy. There you go. You're probably right. Timothy Chalamet. I don't know who that is. He's dating Kylie Jenner. Timothy Chalamet, did he call I think, I think, yeah. You What's know the, that? um, gosh darn it. If we're I trying to think about think guys that are popular right now, mm-hmm. Travis Kelsey is popular with a lot of yep. different yeah. age, ages yep. right now. Um, God, the current. Ryan, it, Ryan Reynolds. Is oh, that, is that Ryan Reynolds. Ryan, that's a good one. What's the other? Is there's there Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling. Is I think, I still think Pete Davidson has also been that's, a hot commodity. I personally don't get He's it. He's got to be a commodity. No. You see him and Ice Spice looking at each other and I said, oh, I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think about who else. And for the younger generation, I don't, I, the generation BTS. I don't know. Justin Timberlake. No idea. No, no. He's, he's, no. He's, oh, he's my no, age. He's old. He's old. He's what was the last time he had a single? Was the he had a single like hit? Like bringing sexy back? You, you're kind of sounding like Sam Pittman over here, Randy. <laughs> well, no. Justin Timberlake is still extraordinarily he popular. Is, he is, and Elvis is not. So no. that was no. really bad. He was. Yeah, I'm sticking with Leo. Away. You see, and now it's, the younger it's, it's generation. Ryan Gosling. Yeah, Ryan Gosling. But That's Ryan cool. Reynolds Ryan is Reynolds. also a good one too. Yeah. What about Bradley Cooper? Does he still fit in that? No, yeah, he's, he's, he's kind of older. Right. Yeah, he's no. older. No. Any musicians? Robert Patterson. Is that uh, Robert Pattinson? Pattinson. One of the yeah. Hem- well, Chris Hemsworth uh, or Zach. Oh, Chris Hemsworth. Chris Hemsworth. Chris the Hemsworth. Hemsworth brothers always. There you go. Good. Liam. There you Liam. Go. Oh. Liam. I like how you guys are just what? quizzing me about hot guys. No, no are you guys out. trying to get me in I trouble? Just, I'm trying to Mike Ryder just said Zach Efron in my ear. I said Zach Efron. Did you say Zach Efron? I said Zach Efron. He's about to have a movie, but it's about a bodybuilder. Like Zach Efron isn't that no guy anymore. Justin Bieber is. Why did I forget about Justin Bieber? Oh, Justin Bieber. Still very popular. St. Louis's new favorite, Jason Momoa. 
Oh, yes. He was He's in town. That's why I, I missed him. him. He was here. Did He's you know that? Did Schnucks. you know that? He was here at Schnucks, Schnucks at uh, promoting his new, new alcohol. Yeah. And, and he, I missed it. I literally put oh, it on my man. calendar. Well, he apparently he was coming you, to town. We tried not to get you in trouble, but you. Brooke, apparently. We weren't trying to get you in trouble, but it sounds like you're doing a pretty good job. Apparently. The event was completely full up. I'm going to sign out now. <laughs> the, the event was completely full up, and he apparently stayed late afterwards and signed autographs for like the entire like line out out the the door and everything. So not only is Jason Momoa an objectively beautiful gentleman, apparently yeah, he's quite fu- he's quite nice. There we, you go. We yeah. got to text Robert Blake. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Somebody said he's still in town. Where? Uh, <laughs> no, no. Where? <laughs> Robert Blake. Where? Oh man. Uh, uh, that's, uh, that's what we got for you on this uh, Friday. Oh Great job by our producer. Happy uh, Friday. Yeah, it was okay. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we'll, tomorrow, we promise we'll get in. I do declare. Because we haven't had that, we haven't had that recently enough. And a fight winner. Yeah. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, well, somebody. How about that? How about that? How about that? There we go. Uh, great job by uh, you, CD. Show us your face. We want to see your face. Who said that? You want to see my face? And a big one, Hazelwood Central and Eureka. Are you guys tomorrow night or Saturday? Tomorrow night. First ever Friday night game in Hazelwood Central history. Uh, if you're showing up for the Hawks, wear white. We're coaching the uh, suit tomorrow, right? Huh? Yeah, white out. You're coaching the suit tomorrow, right? Yeah, no, I won't be doing that. Okay. Hey, you know how uncomfortable that thing is. I'd have shredded that thing by the end of the first quarter. <laughs> oh, yeah. No doubt about it. <laughs> that damn tie out of here. <laughs> we've got a, what are we doing? <laughs> balloon party coming up with T-Mac and Ajax, and then we've got BK and Ferrario until 2, and then the fast lane from 2 to 6 in the Blues and the Coyotes tonight. At 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock face-off here on 101 ESPN. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show. For all of us, until tomorrow morning at 7, have a happy Friday Eve, everyone. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.